Wardcast episode 109. Go. 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 Yeah. Stop. Okay. All right, now go. Cool. Should I run? No, stop. <laughs> I'm Dylan Vento, co-founder of Ward Games. I'm trying something new. We're going to say titles. And I'm joined by Sam Lotion, co-founder hey. of Remote Games. Yep. And Alex Damrath. Soul founder. Founder of Brainder Games. <laughs> That's it. Say it lasciviously. Because it's Halloween. It's time to get spooky. It's, time it's not to Halloween get, yet. It's time to get sexy. Close. That too. Sexy and spooky. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Really good. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Did everyone get their MAGFest hotel that wanted to get one? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm rolling the dice on a, on a MIVs, yeah. MIVs room. I think we all are. Who? I think the only one that got one was uh, Emily. Oh, yeah, she did. She, yeah. she was the only one, I think, I looking think, for one. I don't know if she got in the Gaylord again or if she got... <laughs> she said she got an atrium room. Ooh. I think that's what she said. That's awesome. And it took me a while to understand what that meant. It was like an atrium. Oh, the the because it's the balconies and you're looking out into the atrium. Right, right. Got, got it. Cool. Yeah. Fancy. Uh, yeah, so that's what I want to talk about first. So uh, the MAGFest <laughs> hotel reservation stuff was a complete shit show. Oh, yeah. Um, We weren't really affected by it because, Sam, you and I are in MIVs. Right. And we're allotted rooms from right. a from a uh, a block. Right. And, Alex, you didn't really worry because... Have you bought a ticket yet? You haven't no, bought a ticket yet. I haven't even bought a ticket okay. yet. Because yeah. you want to see kind of how the wind blows. Yeah, it's it started coming down to like financial security closer to the date, okay. but I think it's still possible, right. definitely. Um, but yeah, if if everyone that had applied the MIVs gets in, we'll have four rooms. Yeah, four. So it's it's Route seventy six. Mm-hmm. Me, you, and Robert. I think yeah, I think Rob Robbie got a room. Um, and then also my friend Mark. Oh right, 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 uh, right. From he's from Boston. He's working on a game called Desolus. It's pretty good. Um, he uh, he also applied, and I have no doubt it'll get into Miv. So right. So if he gets in, then that's like five rooms. And then also we all have an option to do. Will or Moman might have a mage's room. Right. So we'll have like six or seven rooms to. So if everyone just. Yeah, the secret to going to MAGFest is just be a content creator. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. Yeah. I've never been to MAGFest, not as one of those. Don't so. be a lowly scrub. Yeah. Uh, so I could only imagine what that what that must be like. Uh, but apparently they're all gone. All the rooms are gone, or at least the early access. The early- I'm pretty sure all the rooms in National Harbor are gone. Apparently, yeah, the closest hotel that has openings is at least like an hour away. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, rent a houseboat, park it on the Potomac, just like, just get a little. I would imagine that's pretty snazzy. Road ashore. I mean, they 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 have a dock. You know, do like, they really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure National Harbor does. So you can just pay, like whatever the docking fee is per night, and just stay on your houseboat, which would be pretty freaking sweet. But if not super expensive. But if not super expensive, yeah. I don't know what the docking fee is. Probably stupid high. And even renting a houseboat, a houseboat fee oh, is, right is pretty stupid as well. <laughs> there's yeah. got to be there's got to be a market for people that want to feel rich and rent a houseboat for a week. Yeah, that we yeah. could fall into. I mean, not. I mean, you could rent like, like, like they have smaller yachts with like, you know, that you can sleep in and stuff. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that's actually not. I would imagine someone at Magfest this year is going to do that. 
Like sleep on a boat. Then buy some fireworks and shoot them off <laughs> at yeah. night. I'm not super sold on the idea of a houseboat in general. I, I'm one of those people who prefers it if their house doesn't move. <laughs> or float. Yeah. <laughs> or, or float. <laughs> All right, fine. Here's a houseboat that sinks. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I solve that issue for you prefer it if while i'm sleep while i'm sleeping like the entire foundation isn't rocking back and forth i don't know that might be like you're the one listen to uh, that would scare the I shit bird <laughs> what's the name of that song it's a it's a geez like a bird yeah nelly furtado apparently that that's the, alex would go to sleep to that song yeah <laughs> that's a good song as a i revealed lullaby. that to you in solidarity oh i'm sorry Dylan. hey we're not live no, it's, it's a good song to the world i can cut little, any of this out. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the album's called whoa nelly and whoa in a in a mid-90s class move of of perfect pun execution yeah Having slept on a boat, I I think sleeping on a at a dock is way worse than sleeping out in the open water. On moored, because you yeah, because you bonk the dock right the whole Ooh. time. Yeah. Mm. So like you'll, I mean, it's not bad, but in like a big boat, you don't feel it. But in like a small boat, if it's just like, you know, a small yacht with a sleeper, making myself sound like super rich or something. <laughs> um, but those, that uh, yacht's in the shop. I have to use right, the auxiliary yeah. yachts. Um, <laughs> but those are get really annoying because they hit the dock and and. uh wake you up but if you're out in the open ocean it's just you're just relaxing mm-hmm. to the yeah. waves being someone that rose i enjoy being on the ocean um where's your experience from being on boats from uh my grandfather my grandfather used to have a uh, uh a yacht oh cool um that was fun yeah little sailboat nice yeah yeah um he had it in florida and so like there was like we didn't get to go do it very often but there were like two vacations and i was a little kid where we went and he took the yacht from fort lauderdale to the bahamas oh wow yeah it was like really crazy um and a lot of fun and fort lauderdale's in the gulf right it's on the uh, west coast of florida or is it on the east coast of florida i always forget i think it's on yeah i think it's on the this it's southern west coast okay so it is in the I gulf think. yeah um but you can get out it's so close to the the south the south that you can get out of it really easily okay um and like sail to the keys or the bahamas or whatever i think sailing to the bahamas was it took like six hours. Wow, eight hours or something. Like it wasn't that. It w- wasn't actually that far. Yeah, that's like nothing. Right. Wow. Yeah, he used to be super into sailing. So that's cool. Yeah. My, my yeah, it was fun fun thing to do as a kid. My father lived in Fort Lauderdale for a while. Uh, but yeah. So going back to Magfest, just real quick. Um, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty messed up. <laughs> just like and apparently like so there was like a registration process and you had to have like a a login account to like get into it right but people could easily circumvent it yep like someone just like took advantage of the cookies or something and yep got past that come on magfest and they did this whole thing because apparently this is like their most like highest selling year or something yeah like, ever like tickets have sold like crazy fast compared to previous years uh-huh. and then they had to somehow stem the tide of hotel reservations because they didn't want it to be like, all right, you got your ticket. All right, now immediately get your room. Oh, half these people that are sitting on the rooms decide they're not going. Yeah. So they are just going to sit on these rooms until like the 11th hour. And then they're just going to release them back out. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it's really messed up. Um, And I mean, I don't know. Like, they, I think they could have done better with the reservation system itself. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how much 
you know, I don't know if they've got like a, a web programmer just like on staff that they can pay or if it was just someone who just kind of set something up. I don't know. I, I don't really know what the, what kind of team they have, but I think they could have done better with just setting up the reservation system in general. Um, or their web presence in general. Cause I mean the magfest site, that's it. Great. I mean like, didn't, didn't they say like they knew how many reservations there were and they, they I mean, they knew how many hotel rooms they had to reserve and they knew how many pre-orders there were. And I, didn't they say something like, Everybody who pre-ordered will have access to buy a hotel room. I I don't know. I can't remember. I thought I they said something, something like, that. like that, and that's why people were outraged. Was because it just seemed like they got the numbers wrong at some point or something. Right. I mean, I I don't really have a stance on it because I'm like we just said I'm not super affected, but yeah. it does kind of suck for the for like just like your general admission type folks that are you know the bulk of the festival. Right, especially like like you said, Alex. Like if the nearest now nearest hotel is an hour away, it's that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like like the whole point of Magfest is that you know, it's you can go do anything on a whim. You know, like you can drink in your room and then go play video games at five in the morning, or you can shut eyes, right? (laughs) Or or you can you know, uh, just like see stuff all day and then sleep all night or like you you literally there's stuff happening 24 hours and you can do whatever you want and it's very yeah the whole festival has like zero structure in terms of like what people are supposed to be doing when and i think that if it's if people are having to stay that far away that takes out a huge charm amount of charm from the festival it's gonna be people seeing people just like slowly slumping to the ground because i think you're gonna see a lot of people just like sleep in which i don't i don't know do they get mad at you i bet they do but the hotel staff does yeah, if I you're just like sleeping out here. I saw that happen a bunch last year of just people like kind of snoozing out in the halls and stuff. The, it's the, like, you're not in the Gaylord, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just driving in from home. Uh, right. Yeah, the, the only thing I remember like of anything like super crazy like that was the fucking guy that was dressed up as Rick from Rick and Morty that I didn't even see. Like I saw him walk by. Mm-hmm. I was walking with Mason and then Mason turns around to me and he's just like, that guy was so stoned. Oh my god! <laughs> so I just have this picture of just like this Rick for a second walking by me, just having this thousand yard stare and just like super wide eyed, and it's nine o'clock at night, and <laughs> just like doesn't know what's going on, and like people are playing like Johann Sebastian Joust, and he's just standing there, just staring at a corner. That's yeah. just what you normies perceive, but really, it's his mind blowing intelligence. Just that just, so right, right, much yeah. intelligence, <laughs> extremely, extremely high IQ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, everyone that wants to go can go and find reasonable accommodations somewhere. Of yeah. I, um, well, what I want to know is how do you solve the problem? You know, like what do you, what is Magfest becoming? You know, uh, how do they because it's been year over year growth, like almost exponential growth, like twice as many people bought tickets as went last year, like uh, as attended have bought tickets already. Right. right? So, so how do you, I mean, how do you fix this hotel problem in the future? You know, we were talking about this on the Slack a little bit, but if you move it, Magfest risks losing a lot of identity. Well, I, I, I agree with your, your, I agree that one of the most important parts of MAGFest is the 24-hour rule. Right. I think that is kind of pivotal to the MAGFest experience. Yeah. I think I think they just have to find either a convention center that allows that or a bigger resort 
That's yeah. if there, if one exists on the mid Atlantic, which I don't know if there does. Right. Uh yeah, the Gaylord's massive as is. Right. So like um the Washington DC Convention Center, the big one, I forget what it's called. It's like Walter something, something, some guy. Uh some white man convention center. Uh he it's like two hundred fifty thousand more square feet. So it's bigger. Mm-hmm. Like there's more room, but are there more accommodations nearby? Does the convention center allow it to be open twenty four seven? On the scale, uh, talking about Magfest scales, is two hundred fifty thousand more square feet really that much of a difference? I feel like it would be because because the problem isn't so much. It's not. It's not fitting so, everyone in the space. Well, it's it might like, be now. Like who knows? Right, like yeah, you remember, remember the crowd sometimes? Like, Freaking packed. It's gonna be like yeah. the crowds at some point. Like especially like on opening day, where like right, like those first few hours. Was I mean, even crazy. so, they're not they're not like music. Fe- it's not like going to you know Coachella or something or like any of these music festivals that get like stupid crowded. Like those are those are ridiculous. I believe like, you. I just I I, I haven't I've been to Coachella. I've never seen them. But like uh um. Like a bin of Bonnaroo. Okay. And that the, that gets stupid crowded. And that's um, the one in the south, right? It's like in Tennessee or something? Yeah. 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 Um, Kentucky. Uh, somewhere in the south. Yeah. Some um, red state. Yeah. So, I mean, even with the amount of people this year, I think it'll be noticeably more crowded, but I don't think it'll be like to the point of like it like ruining MAGFest or something. Right. Okay. Um. So, the the greater concern is hotel space more than... Right. And I just like, footage. I just think that that's like maybe not the most solvable problem. Like, like maybe, maybe if you put it in metropolitan DC and got all the hotels in that area, but that's, that's also like way harder to do. Right. Um, because now you're getting all these different hotels to coordinate and it's in metropolitan DC. So there, it's not like, you know, like, like there's not much happening in National Harbor in January. Right. So it's really easy for them to get hotels and stuff and like get all these hotels to work together in addition to the Gaylord. Right. But in metropolitan DC, I think that's going to be yeah, way harder if not impossible. Things are probably always happening there. Right, exactly. Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like there's a lot in National Harbor like if you look out towards the burbs uh-huh. where like the sprawl is. Yeah. There's just a huge amount of land development happening over there and i don't know mm. if that's for like track homes like neighborhoods or if that's for more more hotels they're, they're extending national harbor out if it's the latter it might be that would be beneficial to magfest if it's not then right just fucking buy all those houses and airbnb them out yeah seriously um i mean so i i think a lot of the time there's a lot of like if you talk about square footage in terms of sleeping space like we have two beds in every hotel. I think there's a lot of hotel rooms that are just like not fully utilized. And I wish there was a way that like if you can figure out a group, your hotel room or ticket is discounted or something. Basically like the principle of like an HOV lane, but for like for hotel rooms. Apply to hotel rooms. And that way that way they can squeeze a few more people in. Um and say like for every person up to up to like a safe maximum like four or five that you can get in your hotel room it discounts everyone's in that group's tickets by like five dollars each time or something but i'm curious how many people would want to do that like people would want to do that with their friends like unofficially like we do but how many people are going to be like check a box to see like yes i want to be matched with someone well i mean alex you were talking that like you so so you were talking about like the price of a ticket right 
Yeah. Um, and if and if that's too expensive for you right now, due to like not knowing what your hotel situation will be, if you could lower that cost and also secure a hotel room situation, like would that wouldn't that be more attractive to you? Absolutely. Right. So I think I think people would do it. I think so you know? too. I just like would it be a big enough percentage of people to justify trying that out? And also would it fucking work? Because as we've seen, you know, their web well, they'd technologies have to design the system great. for it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's that would also be a good first step is actually getting someone who can, you know, like an actual web programmer. Right. How yeah. big is the Magfest core team? Do you know? I don't. Is it mostly um, volunteers? I mean, the MIS team is like is like it's Tronster and what all the volunteers. He's not on it anymore. He does different stuff now. Um, I oh, forget really? who took it over. Uh, but I remember the MIBS team, aside from volunteers being really small, like five or six people uh-huh. or something. Um, at least for what they're handling, you know. At least, the, and that was last year. So I mean, I imagine the core team is pretty big. What's uh, what's Tronster doing? I forget. I know just know he moved. He moved to a different, working on a different project mm-hmm. within Magfest. Mm-hmm. Was he unhappy? Like, was there like drama involved with that, or is it just? maybe just bored okay. or something i i get it i get it tronster <laughs> whatever <laughs> i mean no. i'm 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 sure he'll be around mids yeah, and stuff yeah. you know wearing his cape yeah wearing that around cape. yep cool well was it t-minus two and a half months yep to magfest i'm excited yeah i mean i might be going to pack south which is the next weekend <laughs> oh boy uh god i'm gonna come home from four days in Nova and then fly out to San Antonio the next weekend. I don't know. Jeez. PAX West would be cool, though. Oh, it's south, not west. Oh, I thought you said west for some reason. I was like, it just didn't even make sense because I was like, PAX West just happened. Yeah. Like in September. Right. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, like, yeah. that's pretty quick. But yeah, PAX South is PAX South is San Antonio. Okay, cool. And San Antonio is a cool town. I really like San Antonio. It's a beautiful yeah. city. That's awesome. Yeah. And it will probably be like the least crowded PAX because it's, I mean, it's, it's their, third continental u.s one and i don't think it's to the scale of yeah east or west do you have like pax buddies like i have magfest buddies that i only see at magfest i'm amassing some because i mean there's joshua caller who's the the trailer guy that i talked to and he goes to uh-huh. all the paxes so we're probably going to meet up there's mike footer mm-hmm. uh the author of the game dev biz book um and he goes to all the paxes so i'll probably run into him there's a bunch That's of cool. people on my list that i'm gonna reach out to That's awesome. and then for gdc i'll probably do the same thing Nice, yeah. I'm looking at GDC. I have I have some secret Sound Earth news that I can't talk about just <gasps> yet, just yet. But uh, yeah, I might I might be trying to go to GDC this this spring. Yeah. Do you know? I was asking people about what passes they normally get, but no one was was answering my call except for Kirk, and Kirk was just like, "Just do the volunteer thing." And I was like, "Ah, uh, I mean this. I mean the volunteer thing sounds cool mm-hmm. and like really like cost efficient." But, like, I don't think I'd want to do that on my first um, go. It is cost efficient, and it is, uh, like, you do end up kind of meeting some people because, like, the, a lot of, like, the speakers and stuff just have to interact with staff members, so sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. From what I understand, I mean, I've never been, so, you know. And uh, that's what Kirk told me, the same thing. Yeah. So, so from what I understand, it basically, you know, I, you know, basically it's Kirk's experience is that you get lucky and meet people um, and you also, uh, it also is super cost effective, but obviously you're still paying for hotel and food and all that stuff. I think Kirk went last time um, 
No, Kirk didn't even volunteer last time. He just like was. He said he did. Last year? I think. I think him and Justin both did the volunteer thing. Oh, interesting. Huh. Unless I'm misreading, misinterpreting what they're I forget if volunteering gives you access to talks or just the show floor. It gives you all access pass. That's awesome. So you get all access whenever you're you're not doing your 25 hours. That's the other thing you can do. And they pay you. So it's not like actually volunteer. I don't know what the weight pay is. What do they pay you in? I don't know. Money. Really? Cash money. I did not realize that. Yeah. I don't know how much it is. It's actually... Like, I think go, you can get do that and like pay. Like, wonder if it's enough to pay for like. You might be able to co- cover like your food costs. Yeah, yeah. There are some really cheap flights there right now too. I might have to I have to look into that. But um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Actually, never mind. I just think maybe my first go round, I'd be like, no, I just want to just want to go. Like, even if it's on my own dime, oh, yeah. just 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 see it. And yeah. then once having experienced it, make a judgment call on whether or not. It's something I, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing you can do, this is what I was going to say. The other thing you can do is, is that you can just buy a show floor pass. If you don't like care about going to the talks and just want to meet people because like most of the networking is going to happen outside of GDC, like proper, like you're like, there's, uh, that party that people go to and there's all the galleries. Um, and there's the various other small booths and stuff. And that's like where people are at. And then there are the talks, but the talks are the expensive part. So if you don't really care about seeing the talks, you can just buy a floor pass for like it's, it's like, like two hundred dollars. Th- yeah, or it's like three or four hundred dollars. I thought. Oh really? I thought it was cheaper, but it might it might be more expensive. I can't. I mean, and we might be thinking like the early registration, right? Price versus the after. Sure, sure. But but either price. way, yeah, it's markedly less expensive than going to the talks. Right. And there's like different tiers of talks because there's like the right. summit, and then like the regular like track conference talks. Right. And like the summit talks are more expensive than the regular ones. And then on top of that, it's like, do you want to go to VRDC? Because that's an extra $400. Right. It's a big pyramid scheme, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Oh my gosh. Down to the volunteers, man. I'm just kidding. But but yeah. Who puts, is it an ESA thing? It's, it's the same company that owns Gama Sutra and. Oh, IBM. The IGD. IB, IB something. IBS. Irritable bowel syndrome incorporated. <laughs> yeah, something, some, so, I don't know. It's it's that co- I can't remember the name of the company, but it's a company that owns Gama Sutra and runs the IGDA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Um, cool. Well, that's enough con talk. Thank you for uh, coming to my con planning meeting session. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk. Let's talk games. Yeah. Let's yeah. Talk video games. All right, Alex. I've got. Two of those. You got two VL games. Well, two. or games in general. Yeah. However, okay. however order you want to take it. Sure. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna cover the two video games first because there's not a whole lot to say. Um, it's it's October. Wanted to get spooky. Um, I picked a classic to replay. Um, not gonna go into too much detail. Silent Hill two. Okay. I was all like, man, it's been a while since I picked this up and beaten it years ago. So it was just picked it up again. It's still great. How's that? How's it? How's that fog? It's great. Yeah. Fog is excellent. <laughs> Hold fog, up. <laughs> fog is a requirement for all horror games. How's that draw distance? Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, on the first one, it's like primo. Good good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't played Silent Hill, play Silent Hill. I, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's it's great times. Because that was like a trick, right? Like that they were basically like, we can't pull the draw distance out too far right. for this game, so we're just going to put fog in 
and it worked to to cheat it so well yeah it's like awesome way to lampshade the technology yeah yeah yeah, so great and build on that that horror atmosphere yeah it was beautiful i just think of like you know shitty first person shooters or whatever from that era that also had really bad Oh yeah, there Draw were a distance. couple of those. Turok had yeah, that. Turok. It had like jungle steam just off in the distance all the time. Right. Or if yeah. I remember the. Or it's always like night or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like some way to justify <laughs> like, if you ever like perfect dark. Every level is like like the dead of night. Oh really? Because they can't. Yeah. Cause... Yeah. I remember the one that's like you start on like the skyscraper, like the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. You go down. Yeah. Cool. Are you liking that? So yeah, I've it's, never played a Silent Hill game. So. It's great. It's yeah. got a guy whose head is just one big metal pyramid, <laughs> just a polygon. Yeah, and and he runs at you with a with a hunk of metal that could be described by some as a knife. I don't know. It, it's it's always yeah. This isn't the one with the sexy nurses, right? That's like one of the other ones. No, that's two. Okay. Yeah. So right. two is the one with the, with the well. Actually, they had the weird nurses in one too, but they weren't as sexy until two. It wasn't. They weren't yeah. as yeah. Right. It wasn't well. Because I don't know, I, I I'm I think sex and horror go hand in hand. Because if you can make one, if you can make sexiness scary, then it's like extra scary because it lures you in. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> just googled Soylent Hill. <laughs> Soylent Hill. <laughs> yeah, and the first one, you know, they didn't really have the polys to make them look super sexy, so they were just weird. So they were creepy like nurses. They were like, oh yeah, dude, I forgot about these guys. They are like weirdly sexy. They were like yeah. Laura Croft sexy in the first one, just like very sharp angles. Yeah, in in the second one, they did make them weirdly sexy, but it's like described in the Silent Hill manifesto as them being a a manifestation of of his mind, right? Of, right. All of the monsters in Silent Hill are, are from, uh, damn it, protagonist from two. His mind is his name. Sounds like sounds like the me. story's really really right. gripping. Yeah, given uh, that <laughs> you can recall his name. I well, no, it's just my memory being shit all the time. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. Play Silent Hill. Play Silent Hill two, people. Play Silent Hill one. Okay. Also play three, but don't play any others, except for maybe PT if you want to count that. I heard Shattered Memories was good. Am I wrong? Yeah, I liked the PSP one. What Shattered was Memories was a remake of one for the Wii, right? Yeah, but wasn't there like new stuff in it? There was some new stuff. There was like the whole like psychology. It was like they did the interview at the beginning, and that like influenced events in the game. It's. It's not super related from what I heard. I haven't actually played it, so you can take all of my opinions here. I also for haven't granted, played it. I'm, I'm using I'm using opinions that I heard about on the Joystick podcast going on six, seven, eight years ago. Okay, so yeah, I, I maybe it's not too bad, but I, I think honestly, Silent Hill One is the definitive Silent Hill One. Um, just don't. <laughs> Silent Hill One is the definitive Silent Hill One. Yes, not the Wii remake. <laughs> oh yeah, I played Silent Hill Origins on the PSP. Now I really liked that game. Okay. Um, which they said it was like out of all the, it's like one of the best PSP games. But I don't know if it's like a good Silent Earth game. I mean Silent Earth, Jesus, Silent Hill game. That's what I want. <laughs> um, I want a Silent Earth horror game. There you go. When's that coming, Sam? That could that could exist. Like that that could work with the game's story. Give it, give it a, a spooky remake for, yeah, for Halloween. It'll be all spooky. Yeah, it'll be a spooky. <laughs> Make it all <laughs> spooky. Silent Hill. Spoop, spoop it up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I heartily recommend the Silent Hill series. Just don't play the HD collection on PS3. So bad. Really? I, do, do you not know all that? I know this? nothing about Silent Hill. Dude. Okay. Like, so I know a lot of people like revere this series or parts of the series. Rightly so. But, but uh, anyway, um, 
the the PS3 remake, uh, the HD collection as they put it, was put together by a team of. I'm gonna put this very lightly, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's. <laughs> God, stuff like uh, what? infants, stuff like uh, the sign that says "Welcome to Silent Hill" and Silent Hill Two, they apparently lost the original texture file for, and remade it by getting a basic wood texture and typing in black font in Comic Sans. <laughs> Welcome to Silent Hill. Uh... It is a bastardization of epic proportions, and I swore to never use the word epic anymore so epic. you can you can <laughs> epic <laughs> you can tell how how powerfully i feel about this um yeah that's good i like that so there, there's plenty of other examples it was something to do with like the entirety of silent hills source code like one and two was just or no i think it was two and three was just lost so they had nothing to work with oh, practically wow. huh and and we're basically building it up from scratch, but they made every poor decision they could and cut corners everywhere. But that always sounds yeah. like the most depressing thing in the world when people talk about losing source code. Like I remember yeah. that being a case for The Sims Two, like halfway through development, and they're just like, "Well, we gotta start over." Yeah, yeah. And so like one of the first trailers for The Sims Two, there's like features that never existed <laughs> in the release version. Oh my gosh! Because they just they didn't have time. They had, right. They sh- go, 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 go. Just get the core shit in there. No time, <laughs> no money, which I, which is something we'll talk about later, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. It's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Set good. it up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For, foreshadowing. Uh, the other thing I picked up is I wanted something fairly new, and I had heard about uh, this new Taiwanese horror game, which I thought was cool just because that's not a phrase you hear very often. You uh-huh. hear a lot of games come out of Taiwan. Um and it's it's a labor of love. It's it's definitely got its charms. However, it is very very basic as far as horror games go. Okay, it's wander around a set piece with a flashlight and get jump scared every once in a while, and solve puzzles by picking up items and and just do like little lock and key things. What's it called? It's called Home Sweet Home. And uh, I, I did actually enjoy a lot of like the aesthetic that they, they came did up for with. This title card. Okay. I'm curious. Oh, it's, it's going to be that that hand knit like thatch in a frame. <laughs> Is it? Am I wrong? I, I actually don't on PS4? think you're right. But uh, it's it's PS4 and Steam. I can only uh, imagine. There there's some there's some really really cool parts. Like I think they push their aesthetic pretty well. Um, there's like exploring old Taiwanese architectural places. Like clearly, like this is an old shack made from like ancient Asian era that's cool um mm-hmm. that you're kind of wandering through and then there's also like a more modern police station that you're wandering through the set pieces are, are pretty well made i think there's a lot to love aesthetically even if the gameplay is very simple and just kind of like wandering through a haunted house and getting scared hmm. um there's a bit when you're in the police station that i don't want to spoil too much of but it's easily the coolest thing about it, this game is the one major enemy they came up with was a giant person like like giant corpse kind of it's just bloody and mangled and it's huge and every so once while it sticks its hand through a window and just kind of like feels around for you Yeesh. yeah so it's like <laughs> going going full attack on titan here yeah and but there's like nothing you can do in this thing and then like if it doesn't feel you then like you get this stealth moment where like it sticks its big red eye like into like through the window and is looking around for you 
you know, like red light scanning throughout the room and you got to sort of avoid it and not get caught or else it sticks its hand back in and tries to grab you. Uh, lots of little great. This sounds terrifying. It's great. It's it's wonderful. I oh, love it. God, <laughs> my nightmares. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good if you want like a nice little hor- a haunted house to, to wander through for Halloween. If I that's don't, your kind but of thing. I, pr- I appreciate it All right. from afar. Yeah, I have uh, I have categories, you know, I have custom categories on Steam. I have a category called "Will Never Play," and it's like <laughs> Amnesia One, Amnesia Two, and then like a couple other games. In yeah. There. So yeah, those are those are my two video games that I've been playing that aren't Overwatch and Splatoon. So still, still on that. Oh yeah, Splatoon. Still on that Splatoon. Well, they had the 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 Werewolf versus Vampire Splatfest last weekend. Did you see the one they had in Japan? That was the the toilet. Yes. Yeah, the toilet paper. One. Oh my god! <laughs> Actually, was... I think that was Europe. I think Japan oh, still. Have, yeah, it might have been Europe. I think that was Europe because all of like Nintendo of Europe is is joking about how what will the next Splatfest be? Tap water versus bottled water. <laughs> Did you see this, Sam? This toilet paper thing. So, but you know how like the the choose your team works in Splatoon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Europe, it was do you put the toilet paper? paper oh, coming down Japan. the front <laughs> yeah. keeping, coming down the back whereas Japan roll. and America got werewolves versus vampires <laughs> that's really funny someone was saying uh, was it Maria is that the name of the one squid lady yeah that's one of them yeah uh, she's a taller one right yeah she's a black one yeah uh, she got toilet paper behind <laughs> and so someone was like alright they're just trying to get people to hate Maria yeah they, they want everyone to love Pearl Ain't happening. Well, what's weird was uh, Pearl was vampires and Marina was werewolves. And usually, yeah, you do see like a popularity skew between the two. Like most people pick uh, whatever Marina goes for, at least from what I've seen. It's the first Splatfest. And granted, there have only been three so far. Oh, it's Marina, not Maria. Marina. Marina. Okay. I was saying Maria. Um, Someone pointed out to me recently, by the way, that it's like, is is that a really distasteful pun? Because like Pearl and then Marina is another word for harbor. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nintendo keeping a grudge alive. I had, like, alive a, he- I had for, like a head scratcher like, wait a minute. <laughs> for over half a century. I don't think that was 100% intentional, but maybe. Especially because those names were come up were came up with by Nintendo of America. Like their localization mm-hmm. team does that. Never forget. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, um... Yeah, uh, but no, uh, vampires beat werewolves soundly three zip, like in all three categories, wins team, wins by team, wins by solo, and and popularity. So team Edward beat team Jacob. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so yeah, so th- those are the games cool. that, I, that I that I. These are the games. These these are the only games. <laughs> <laughs> games of the year. Home Sweet Home, Silent Hill 2, Splatoon 2, and Overwatch. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I recently got, I've been touting this to all of my friends. I'm so excited to talk about this. The board game Messiah has entered my living room. Messiah? I am talking of Kingdom Death, which is this fantastic art project turned board game by this cool dude named Adam Poots. Yeah, <laughs> get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he owns it because on like every single piece of artwork and 
literature that this produces, there's like a, an icon that says I heart poots. So I think there's some joke somewhere where he really just wanted to make everyone own something that said like, ha you love farts. <laughs> <laughs> Fart. Really hope his like Twitter account is like his name and then like an emoji, the peach emoji and then like the gas emoji of like the, the steam shooting <laughs> little up. Air puff emoji. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <A> little air puff. <laughs> so uh, it started out as, um, as, as like a, a frame of artwork. And if you're an anime fan in any way, you might know Berserk. And if you don't know Berserk, you know Dark Souls, which was very much inspired by Berserk. Okay. Very nightmarish, hell world, humans are not meant to survive here, everything sucks kind of deal. Uh, Kingdom Death is all of that, uh, but like exponentially grown into everything is here to kill you. It's this universe where nightmares this, are real. This board is here to kill you. Yeah. The box it's in is here to kill you. Practically. It's it's uh every it, people in this world wake up on a in a in a field. These these planes of faces is uh, this the plane of faces it's called and it's literally just it's no grass. It's just carvings of stone faces for ground as far as the eye can see. Pitch black, always night, like storm looming off overhead. And he creates this aesthetic very well. And sort of tying back into, and a lot of it has to do with this, uh, um, I lost my train of thought, but concepts are, are abstract based on some real world things, but then like so blown out of such weird proportion. Uh, monsters are like this weird, this large lion, pure white hands that are weirdly human and, and oh, a bizarre intelligence to it. Uh, there's these things called gorms, which are like, imagine the body of an elephant, but the head is a baby's head, and the mouth opens kind of like a predator with with hands that are coming out from its neck to like pull the, hand, the, uh, the mouth open. I hate everything you're describing right now. <laughs> so I, I, all of his artwork and all of his sculptures, because that's the other half of it, is the game comes with lots of little minis to put together is is so beautiful and just like very well thought out and designed and cared for and that when they announced he was making a board game out of it it was like all right i'm already sold but you've never made a board game before like i have no idea if it's going to be designed well or not and that was back in 2015 and what was, and what's the name mm-hmm. of the game again kingdom death and it's the- my new board game kingdom deathopoly well, <laughs> the board game is actually Kingdom Death Monster. Um, the whole world is just like if you KingdomDeath.com is just like his repository for all bits of the floor and and that sort of thing. His wiki. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you buy the little miniatures. I do. I do. Um, How much money have you dropped on this game? Do you want me to be real with you? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So actually, I'm gonna get to that. <laughs> I have no money for rent, but I have all of these miniatures. So. <laughs> Um, when he, uh, first announced the board game, it was with a Kickstarter in 2013. The game came out and, and I would have liked to have purchased it then, but I didn't have the money. I was lowly college student. Right. Wasn't happening. 2015 comes around. The board game comes out. It is, it is hailed almost unanimously. Like, Savior. Like this board oh. game is actually really incredible. It it does this wonderful merging of of tabletop RPs and and board game combat simulation that meshes very well because tabletop RPs are a lot about the character stories, the player stories, 
whereas a lot of more traditional board games are the board story and and finding a way to create those meshes can be difficult and i think it's from what i've read because i haven't actually like i I played the prologue which is sort of a tutorial game is very dense um it it does this meshing perfectly huh it's it's actually quite ingenious in some ways um you haven't answered my question yet. Sorry. I'm getting to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Missed it. Came out in 2015. Was, and then, like, this thing got swept up. He, like, ran out of actual copies to sell in, like, a couple months. And he's sort of constantly on this verge of, like, you know, it's not making a crazy amount of money. Not a super sustainable business model because he wants to keep everything really high quality. It's very boutique. Fancy. So, razor thin margins? Razor thin. Uh, but... He announces a Kickstarter the year I graduate. It's going to be, I think it was that December to like give you, no, yeah, it was like November to give you an idea. Of last year. Of last year. To give you an idea of how long it's taken for this to get to me. Um, Recently graduated. I just got a job. I wasn't in an apartment at the time, so I wasn't even paying rent. It was just like every paycheck was disposable income. It's like, no. Fuck it. I'm going all in. (laughs) Oh, no. I think I ended up spending about nine hundred dollars on that that Kickstarter. (laughs) It's worth noting that on the website, just buying the board game straight up, like outside of the Kickstarters, if he had it available, was four hundred dollars. Are you kidding, dude? That's nuts. Well, it does say I'm on the website right now. It's like it's like characters are like really sexy. Yeah. Oh god, we're back to the sexy (laughs) scary. Really hot. (laughs) Everyone is, and the art is just like. Top this this hardcover <laughs> rule book doubles as an yeah. art book. You brought this book. Can I yeah. see the book? You're Here's what it says the about book. the game. Heft this seventeen pound cooperative tabletop adventure into the darkest cockles of your heart. Fight for survival and learn and learn to love the pain of death. I have I have many cockles. Yeah. <laughs> well pick your darkest. <laughs> darkest cockle. <laughs> this has cockles. <laughs> uh and and so buying it with the Kickstarter. Uh, was 250 so it knocks a good 150 off the base price okay and then the early bird and then i just kind of went hog wild on expansions which there are a bunch of Woo! more minis more rules more stuff to throw into this game and then like there was another like hundred or so to buy what's called the gambler's chest which was like a bunch of little mini minis and game editions Is it like and a stuff kenny, a kenny loggins mini uh does he know when to hold them Holy shit, the expansions are <laughs> does like... He, does he know when to fold them? <laughs> Holy shit, the expansions are like minimum $100. Jesus, dude. Yeah. yeah. Holy I mean, crap. like I said, they're really, really nice minis. So at least starting... Oh, All right, start- so when you buy an expansion, it comes with the miniatures? Right. Okay, it com- cool. It comes with... And like, there's one that I bought that's like, you can't find it anymore. He stopped making it. Mm. There's oh, one man. that I bought with the Ooh, Kickstarter. Rare ones. There's Well, and he's like, okay, I'm doing a, rep- a reprint just for Kickstarter backers if you want to throw in like this amount of money. And it was like normally two hundred dollars, and he knocked it down like eighty through the Kickstarter. So this is how it started adding normally up: normally two hundred dollars and eighty through the Kickstarter for a miniature that big. So as like in the the entire board for the game half. is like that big, and this one takes up that much space on it. Is it's like a, a giant dragon. Is there a grid? Jeez. Uh, yes. Is it like a hex grid or a regular square? Regular grid? square grid. Some of these are yeah. crazy. Yeah, like I, I do like going through the artwork. You either you're immediately like drawn to it, like oh this is beautiful and I love this kind of stuff, or you're not. 
I like. Yeah, it's a little hypersexualized for me, but I, there is. I do get like it is really detailed and stuff. You know, there, there's also like well, he said like the pinups are not part of the core game. They're like stuff that he They're used just to make that, money. Something a little extra for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> if you're a true fan. I do like this uh, this aesthetic of like these starting survivors. They're very Greco-Roman mm-hmm. in their depiction, like the uh, togas and and lanterns that they're holding. And right, except is that just an art book? Yeah, it, it's, but it's it a shows like book shows that's like, also art. Oh, art book, yeah. okay, cool. Um, I but, love the black gilding on the pages. Yeah, I, I was reminded when I first got the whole package because the entire box is like all black too. Uh huh. If anyone's read the Hitchhiker's Guide book, I think it's Restaurant at the End of the Universe it has a passage about the spaceship they find in a parking lot that's just black on every conceivable surface. It's like they open up the hood and every mechanical part is black. It's like black leather. And so it's just it's just shadow. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just see a silhouette. Yeah, yeah. Like every, go ahead. Yeah, and everyone's just like astounded by it. But anyway, yeah, this is this has been this lion's fucking people up. The, yeah, the like the opening prologue is you wake up and are attacked by a lion. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And <laughs> you <laughs> imagine that like convert to like a text adventure. You wake up, there is a lion. It attacks. He attacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, you find a you're like waking up with a piece of white linen and a lantern and that's it. And and that's how you start the game and you're essentially expected to die a lot and it's meant to play out like Dark Souls where you learn from death and oh, are starting. This was your character sheet you were showing you put on Twitter. Was it on Twitter? Facebook. Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it has like weird, like each part of your body has like a, a gear slot. Yes. And like a health point. And, and there's like right, different there's hit locations. Yeah. There's hit locations. Like if you get mortally wounded, let's say like your hit, repo- your hit points for, uh, get dropped to like zero on a certain body part, then you roll on a severe injury table. And it's either like the lowest roll of one is uh, is immediate death, no matter what body part you just had the severe injury on. Um, and then there's stuff like there's Jeez. less bad stuff. Like if the if it's on your head, you can get like your jaw gets knocked off, and you have to like live with that, and you can't speak anymore, which means you can't encourage your teammates, which is a mechanic. I will say the, I mean, I'm not reading too deeply into this, but this seems a lot more concisely organized than a D&D rulebook. Yeah. Like, it's it's not as open because it's it's a little more traditional board gaming and that it's not so much about, you know, just coming up with whatever the hell you want to do. Right. But right. it it's is... It's way more focused. Right. Yeah. Because that's cool. I hate having to check the fucking player's handbook. Like, it's right. like, all right, uh, well, I got to look at... All right, where are my skills? Okay, uh, I get this spell at this level. Okay, what does that spell do? And then flip 100 pages. Okay, it gives me... Area of effect damage plus chance to freeze. Okay, was the freezing effect? Yeah. <laughs> this this yeah, is a little, little having... bit more straightforward. This is like the, the monster rolls and, oh, you're, you're disemboweled. Sorry. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah, having only played a little bit of D&D, I had a lot more fun when I had a really good DM that yeah. never had to use the rule book. Yeah. yeah. You just um, ask them a question. And you can either ask them a question or it's like you you play in such a way that you gradually learn like the properties of all your spells and stuff. Yeah. Like only the DM knows that stuff and you've just like acquired this ability. And so you have to learn all these niche ways to use it. Um, and like try different stuff out and experiment. And that's like when you play D and D really creatively like that, that's when it's super fun. My favorite part of D and D is I maintain that 
D&D is all about team composition. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, totally. Everyone's got to be like on the same page and kind of have the same goals in terms of like what they, what experience do they want to pull out? That's why playing with Tyler isn't that great because Tyler's just like, whatever, just fucking, he's going to do whatever he wants and it's going, <laughs> yeah. and it, might, it might go poorly for the rest of the team. I'm going to stab my friend and steal his coins. Right. Well, not even that. It's just like, <laughs> hey, I'm, like I'm just full munchkin the whole time. <laughs> I've only played Munchkin once, and everyone I was playing with was drunk. Well, so Munchkin is a term for a D and D player who doesn't care about the rest of the team. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, well, he's just in it for themselves. It's it, but he's not even in it for himself. He's in it to sow chaos, just because. Yeah, for shits and giggles. Fun. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, not for me because for me it's like okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see what the DM has crafted here. I want to see what kind of st- what they want to tell. Right. So when I'm playing with a bunch of people that like, I am very utilitarian in mm-hmm. my. D&D playing where it's like, okay, here's the objective. All right, problem solved to reach the objective. Mm-hmm. So when the team breaks down to a bunch of arguing of what to do and everyone's just like, well, I'm just going to role play my character and my character is just going to go off to the tavern and drink or or I just want to do whatever the fuck I want and whatever. It's like it, it things break down. Yeah. yeah. And it's frustrating. Um, so that's why I think... You like having the more concise... Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, well, More or less. I, I was just gonna say that I think I've yet to find the perfect team. Okay. For D and D. Yeah. Um, I gotta agree with Sam though. There's a fuck ton of cleavage on this woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's there's 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 some sexiness. <laughs> yeah, I found I found it's one. A, it's called it, it's a pinup wet nurse. <laughs> it's just like oh my god so if you want to actually i'd say google the kingdom death wet nurse to see what that pinup is like there's, based on. There, there's no way this like linen yeah. would stay on her chest like there's just no way <laughs> there's some anime influence definitely a little bit yeah uh there's also like like it's saying there's some some sexiness imbued in the horror which i think works there's a faction I, I love this uh, this this bit in the world where there is something called the Golden City and is where apparently one human has kind of made himself a god due to his own vanity. And it's mm. this sparkling city that's sort of just driving and machining and working its way towards building a har- an army that will uh, mow over the rest of Kingdom Death and create like a human utopia. But it's doing it in like this really strange, sick way where females are getting like their entire abdomen replaced with like iron forges and they're birthing like golden metal men to become the army and the actual wet nurse is a monster under the employee quote unquote of this uh of this faction to raise those god babies made of whatever metal is keeping them alive it's weird and abstract and horrifying and i love it like all of this stuff is just geared mm-hmm. to make you twitch and squirm and it and like uh there's like a forest that has a black hole in the middle of it that's like constantly ripping oh that's a dick like, i didn't even see the dick i was just yeah. looking at the dismembered body parts there's, there's, there's sexiness up. all over dylan there's a there's a <laughs> dick on this page yeah all right well Oh, and you have a bookmarked. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where the bookmark was naturally. Uh-huh. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. You should book <laughs> believe me if you want. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw it really quick. Sure thing. Uh, seems cool. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think like I, I, I think the graphic design, that the layouts and stuff, I think are very cool and concise, and I like the illustrations. Like I like that, like um, like ink wash 
the ink wash drawings. Yeah. I think yeah, those are nice. Look very cool. Um, Do you know if most of the drawings are like, like this looks like a digital drawing. It probably is. There's yeah. some digital, some, tri- I think they're mostly digital, mm-hmm. um, but he has a couple of different artists that work with him. Okay. Like the ink wash right. stuff all looks digital. Yeah. Uh, and there's definitely like some artwork towards like the end of the book that is way more anime than the rest of it. Um, yeah, you want to be like almost like cradle it. Like when I was turning, <laughs> I was like, oh, like don't want to damage this book. Yeah, it's, it is really nice. Yeah, you you are not just buying a, a really cool board game, but it's it's practically a work of art. It's like, but I mean, it's not really a coffee table book because if you put that on your coffee table and someone's yeah. like, what's this? Oh, yeah. it's a dick. Oh, it's just really dense rules for a, <laughs> just for a bar game. It's just like, didn't Playboy make like hardcover books? Just, yeah. Like, this is really nice. That's a cool. Right. That's a cool piece of art. And, and so, oh, and there's also, I wanted to mention there's like a Monster Hunter aspect and a Civilization aspect. Well, now you lost uh-huh. me. Yeah. Monster there's, Hunter. there's, there's, an, there's bits where you're, you're not just fighting the monsters for survival, but you're also collecting pieces to make armor and weapons and tools. And then the Civilization aspect is you have a settlement that you're working to build up and you're starting from scratch. When you first start the game, you don't even know how to talk. Your mm-hmm. your your humans are basically newborns in this world, and you're trying to get everyone up to pace. So you invent things like language, music, communication, art, drawing, uh, smithing, crafting, creating a society in this inhospitable inhospitable hellscape where you're not expected to live. Cool. And then your future campaigns will eventually just sort of keep to the same settlement. And it's even got like the board game has a save mechanic in place to like keep you going back to different games. Oh, here's like a comic. This is cool. Yeah. It's kind of kind of anime looking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very anime looking. Interesting. And so you've only played the prologue? Yeah, I've only played the tutorial bit. What how many players is this? Uh four. And Re- they actually have required uh it's actually you can play it solo you just control all four pieces ah and if you're playing it with like two or three it's the same deal where someone just has to pick up the extra um four is is the recommended there's also like a spare rules thing where you can do five or six if you have like an extra mini laying around who's um and then how do you combat the enemies so it's usually there's a dm to play the the so actually yeah i did want to touch on this a little bit the enemy each monster in the game uh, including all the ones that you get through expansions or whatnot, come with an AI deck. Wow. Yeah. So it's a deck of cards that essentially determines what they're doing next. And it has special things on it like target the person who just attacked the, just attacked it, uh, target the person who's like farthest away, It and all dependent on what kind of monster it is and how it would behave. And what's really cool is that AI deck is also its health, meaning the damage done to it removes cards from the deck. Huh. So its options in combat are limited by how well you're performing against it. Interesting. It's a weird, like, that sounds like, again, another problem with the, with the team thing, like finding people to play a game like this and play it consistently if it's something that's going to take, obviously, more than one uh, playthrough or more than one play session. Yeah. Finding people to consistently play it and be able to play it alone, in theory, sounds cool, but also in theory sounds like the most depressing thing in the world yeah. <laughs> where it's just like all right dylan what are we doing next it's like well i'm going to make this uh character move here and attack the lion 
All right, Dylan, what's the lion going to do? <laughs> well, I drew the card, and the lion says, swipe yeah. the nearest uh, enemy. Yeah. And all the monsters have, like, hit locations as well. I think there's actually, like, Cat Nads is one of the cards. There's, like, a little bit of humor just in interspersed throughout. Just just tiny bits sprinkled in to make yeah. it seem a through little horror, less depressing. Through the horror and the sex. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but I was also going to say that maybe playing a game like this solo is also like reading a book or playing a video game, yeah. playing a single player video game. Where it's, it's, just, it's got a story, like it's got a plot to it. There's points in the rule book that it recommends like you don't read unless you've gotten to this point in the game. Huh. Uh, and all the expansions. <laughs> Spoiler warning. Yeah. All the expansions are also like their own self-contained stories that have like their own really nice flavor texts, rules, encounters, that sort of thing. It's Interesting. A, it's just... I got hooked on the world, and once I realized that it was going to be a board game, and then realizing that the board game was super, super good, I had to get in on it. Got hooked on Kingdom Death. Anyway, that's that's my Poland monster. Full twenty minutes spent. Is on that how Kingdom long we spent? Death. Yeah, thereabouts. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, Sam, you even play anything? Oh uh, man, let's see. Uh, I got into the Deceiver. Uh, multiplayer alpha uh, testing, which is which is pretty fun. It's a it's a smaller game made by this dude Evan Todd. Uh, it's on itch. Um, it's kind of like a stealth game. I haven't played the. I think there are some story missions in the alpha I got, but I haven't played them yet. I just played the multiplayer where you play this little uh, like drone thing, spider droid or something. Yeah, and you can walk around on all these different surfaces. So like at any face, any level geometry you can like walk on. Um, and so you're just kind of traversing around all these like weird walls and stuff. Um, but it's multiplayer, so they've got like like the mode I've played the most is like an assault mode, where you capture bases to spawn these minion guys that go and like attack the, these other bases, and one team is trying to defend trying to defend like like a core thing, and the other team is trying to attack it all. It's pretty cool. Uh, I it's pretty much um, just jumping between faces. The whole time to like try and try and kill other people and to and to kill the minions and stuff. Um, yeah, I I only I've only played a little bit and that's all I've really had time for. But Did you have to ask Evan to get into the alpha? Or no, just... it was on itch for for like like they just had like a limited number of signups, so it was first come first serve. Cool. Um, they've been keeping like a Discord for the game, so been just like you know dropping feedback in that and playing when people are on and stuff. What else has he made? Oh geez, uh, I totally don't know off the top of my head. Oh. I was I was talking to uh, Joshua Caller and Joshua Caller about it because mm-hmm. he was suggesting people that I could reach out to for interviews and stuff, and he suggested talking to Evan. Yeah, it's, he's spoken to him the before. game's really good. Um, I think he'd have a lot to say about just like 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 the it's very very uniquely designed game. Like like the fact that uh uh you can literally it's like it's it's got shooting mechanics, but you can be on literally any service in the game. It's like pretty interesting. Um. Uh, and then also it's, he might have like technical stuff to talk about because it's all a custom engine and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it all him? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's just him. Wow. Um, it's pretty rad. Yeah. It's cool. It's pretty neat. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd have a lot of stuff to talk about. I have a, I have a ever growing list of people I need to reach out to. Mm -hmm. Uh, an ever growing backlog of podcasts I need to get posted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause as of right now, the most current one is the Super Nintendo classic camp out podcast. But now that one's out of the way, the other one should take less time to edit. So, yeah, cool. I think if I've played anything else, um, any any CS:GO, any, uh, any Rocket League, I deleted those from my computer. 
Oh. And I'm guilt. trying to I'm trying to finish this game that I'm working on. Yeah. Um and not get too too distracted during the day because we've got like a little under a month. Well, no, a little over a month of development time left on it. For a, are you trying to hit a milestone or trying or have you set? Yeah, I mean like it date. ships. It ships. Oh, you mean Lead Girl? I thought you meant. Yeah. I thought you meant Silent Earth. No, so the, yeah, Silent Earth. I've been working on that a little bit too, but but um, mainly Lead Girl. Um, and did you want me to say the name? I can cut that out. Oh no, it's Lead okay. Girl. Yeah, Lead Girl. Yeah, it's fine. It, it's. It's like a kind of boring little platform about teaching lead poisoning. <laughs> kids about lead poisoning. You're really yeah. solid in this one, Sam. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's actually no, no. It's actually really cute, and we're, I'm really, by. I'm really proud of like the the art style we've come up with. It's like cute, but also like lightly psychedelic, which is like pretty cool. Um, like Play-Doh-y in a way. It's like kind of yeah. evokes like Armacrog or whatever the other adventure game is. That's all claymation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like we wanted to make something that was kind of a cross between that and like Loco Roco or like yeah, um, the Super Burrito Galaxy stuff, right? Or whatever. Um, so so yeah, it's it's a it's a fun little game. Um, it's it's got it, you can basically think of it as like Super Mario Run style, like auto running platformer, mm-hmm. but with it's a lot faster paced than Super Mario Run, and instead of coins, um, it's lead. It's lead that's like on surfaces, so it's got this kind of like dust force. Okay. like mechanic where you're trying to like like oh i'm gonna wall slide up or down the surface to like get the lead off of it um and collect it and stuff so to get the lead out yeah, yeah. that should be your tagline get the lead out huh yeah yeah, yeah we'll that, do it. that works yeah. pretty well huh get the Pitch lead it out. to your marketing team <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah go through marketing and then they'll reach out but it's it's been interesting Hand to work on check um because <laughs> like like it's a game for like kids under 13 so there's a bunch of stuff i've had to deal with that i've never had to deal with releasing a game before like making sure everything is copa compliant and you know uh that's a child protection act yes so i'm like i'm like having to integrate some like analytics and trying to figure out which analytics are not legal and which aren't um uh and so that's been that's been kind of like an interesting uh minefield <laughs> is there are there microtransactions involved in this game? No, no microtransactions. So you don't have um, to worry about that separate minefield. No user accounts. So uh there's basically you can't collect any information without the consent of a, a guardian that's um personally identifying. And that's kind of a vague term, but like for example, we can collect analytics on where people die the most because that's not inherently personal personally identifying or like a ticker for how often people click the Omaha Healthy Kids Alliance link that's in the game. Um. Uh, or how long people watch cutscenes, etc. Just as long as it doesn't have like their name or location or um or anything like that, uh, then then it's fine. And it's interesting because you kind of still get those analytics anyways. Because in order to get the game, you know they you have to like like the app store is not a Copa compliant thing. Like, well, I mean it is Copa compliant, but it's not for kids under thirteen, right? So you have to have like an account. Um, and be of like legal age to use the app store. So even though our game is legal and not actually collecting that stuff, we can still still see like where the most demographics of people yeah. downloading the game. Right, right. Which so is you really have to weird. Have a, you have to have a notification in the game that says, "Are you no over thirteen? Okay. We don't have to do that because we don't collect any personal identifying information. So, so yeah, it's fine. Interesting. We do have to have a privacy policy that's in the game, but it doesn't have to be like something that they agree to inherently. It can just be like in the game. So it's just right. Tap tap on an icon on the home screen, black 
50% opacity background, bunch of text scroll, scroll through it. Yeah, back pretty button. much. Yeah. We have the same thing on uh, my site that I worked on for work where it's like we have to have some, yeah, privacy statement and like a Freedom of Information Act or a link to Freedom yeah. of Information Act request form, stuff like that. Yeah, I've been trying to create as little menus in the game as possible. So right now it's just a title screen and like level select and that's it. Um, so I'm probably just going to have a button somewhere that's like like in the options or something like that that's like, you know, here's the privacy policy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a wall of text. All right, new tagline. Eat lead. Eat lead. <laughs> Eat lead. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's been a fun, that's been a really fun project. Um, and it's been cool to, uh, you know, be, be making games and being paid for it, which is, yeah, which is like pretty neat. That one release. So if there's ever a job application that says have one ship game, be like, here you go, motherfucker ship game. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I had games that I put on like the app store and stuff in high school, but like, you know, that. They're bad, <laughs> so I don't talk about them. <laughs> oh, we should play them. You think we we can still get them? Uh, oh, they're not. You're probably not 64 bit. No, so they're not going to work be. with iOS. Yeah, I could get it on my phone. There's a. Um, Are you still updated? I still haven't updated because I've just been so freaking busy. Um, and every time I try and update my phone, it's like you know couldn't update right now or something. You know, I just don't have time to like troubleshoot it. Right. Um, but uh, I have one game called. Uh, zombie room, I think is what it's called, and it's pretty much what it sounds like. You're in a room with a like you know chain gun, and you're j- like a mini gun, and you're just like mowing zombies down. And like die. first person, third yeah. person overhead. It's a first person. <laughs> I just made it with like in your youth, like an asset kit in like junior year or something. Sweet. <laughs> Did it make you any money at all? Uh, I made it with a friend, and it made about two thousand dollars, which what? was which is pretty Whoa. good in high school. Okay, yeah. yeah, in high school, that's a lot. Yeah, that was not bad for high school. <laughs> it's more money than I've ever made on a game. You seriously? Jesus, that was it. Wasn't awful. It <laughs> wasn't. Awful. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, like two thousand dollars ever. Yeah, I know. I mean, it didn't like, like change your life, but it's like that's like validates. Yeah. Your time. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, no, at that point you can call yourself a professional game developer. Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, know? it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it wasn't horrible. It was good. I'm trying to be modest. <laughs> um, it was fucking the best. It was pretty fun. The, when I bought my first yacht. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the first game I made in high. No, no, this was the first game I made in high school. Um, that I didn't actually end up putting anywhere because I I never finished it like enough. Um, was uh this game. I can't remember the name. I think it was called Impact was the name of the game. And it was just a, it was just the crash mode from Burnout. Yes. That's the best part of Burnout. Where you just like drive a car into an intersection and then stuff piles up. Yeah. Um, But I wasn't very good at programming. uh, And so I had like uh, a vertex shader that would like displace like, like deform car models. Okay. Like as they got hit. Yeah. But like if you had like, if you had like one, uh, like say like say a tiny car or something that gets like like a Vespa or some something stupid that gets stuck between like a bunch of big cars and like would continually pile up against it, um, I didn't I couldn't figure out how to limit it so that like the vertices wouldn't just like Go into pancake infinity. into oblivion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you just have these like triangles of something that got like squished too much that would extend like two hundred feet in the air or whatever. That's great. Um, I never figured out that problem. Then I never released it, but. But yeah, 
That's probably... High school was really fun for making games <laughs> instead of doing homework. Oh yeah. Uh, it was probably better than the the one that the former Criterion devs put out. They put out like a crash mode spiritual successor recently. Oh really? It wasn't great. Like after they did Dangerous Golf, they did this. Damn, I'm a huge, huge Burnout fan. So the fact that I didn't hear about that must have been it really sucked. Which is too bad. I like crash mode. And I like that part in Saints Row 3 where you try to collect insurance money by throwing yourself ragdolling into traffic. Those <laughs> both hit the same pleasure center of my brain. Oh, yeah. Of just of funny physics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One kind of game I've wanted to make forever is... Uh, have you ever played Just Cause 2? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like five minutes of it. Okay. So, well, you could do the same thing in three. I've played less of three, but... I've also I've played, played a five lot minutes of, of three. Okay. So, well, my favorite thing to do... Like, you can, you can mod the game so that you can... So, like, you can use your little PDA thing to uh, summon any vehicle to any location. It just, like, spawns there. Right. Um, you can also get mods that let you fly, like Superman style. Okay. So, my favorite thing to do... Like, arms out, just, arms yeah, forward? Like, okay. like this, yeah. Like, you're just, like... Like, they basically let you do that in 3 as a result of the mods that came out in 2. And right. How many like, yeah, I remember the multiplayer yeah. mod in Just Cause 2, like, being a big deal. And, like, them at least talking to that team... Yeah. When it came to yeah. Just Cause 3. Um, they basically talked to a ton of modders for Just Cause 3 and just put their ideas in the game. Um, but anyways, yeah. So there was this Superman flying mod and then like the summon any vehicle mod. And so uh, what I would like, what I would always do is get, fly to the top of a mountain, like the tallest one in the game and spawn like a fire truck or a bus or an 18 wheeler or some other ridiculous vehicle on top of the mountain and then just drive it off and try to like not die on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was like, it sounds dumb and it really is like ultra simple but it was so fun to like try and find the fastest way down the mountain in this like tumbling fire truck or whatever i want to make i basically want to make a game that's just that right it's it's just kind, like driving it's, cars down mountains. right it's kind of cluster truck-esque but like some different parts to it like we're actually right. driving it yeah like the, the you dry- alternate between like like trying to manage the like the the physics in the air and like figuring out where you can land and stuff um and then actually like driving in a way that is somewhat controlled right like yeah yeah that's funny we should just make like a like a sports friends-esque like here are all the ideas we like in in doing stupid shit in third person action games like my favorite thing in in grand theft auto 4's online was going into uh like a custom match and turning off friendly fire Uh and then me and my buddy would just stand at opposite sides of the street like a block away from each other with RPGs and use the physics to blow ourselves into the air and try to land on buildings. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking advantage of the physics to try to like move someone without killing them. So because since a friendly fire was off, you could blow, you'd oh, shoot yeah. a rocket right next to him. It would just project them into <laughs> the air. It was so much fun. That's really funny. Or there's that infamous, you guys remember the swing in Grand Theft Auto 4? The infamous swing where not. you could drive a car up to it and if you wedged yourself properly the collision would freak out and launch whatever car you're in like thousands of feet into the air and across the map so it's then you just like flying through the air trying to like manage okay it's like where are we going what are we gonna do all right and just smacking the ground in gta 4 yeah i did not know about that that's yeah. super cool it's, it's just like this swing that's kind of a pain in the ass to get to because it's like has a fence wrapped around this little playground that you can't break the fences so you have to like kind of like inch your way through this 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 playground with like your giant fucking like 
it'll link in or whatever and then you just come up to the swing and then you push against it and then the swing eventually like lifts up off the ground because there's enough physics on it and then it just steps on your hood and then pushes your hood <laughs> underneath the ground and then everything just like gives way and then you just rocket into the sky <laughs> that's awesome nice. it's so much fun yeah i think it would be really fun to make a game where it's just like about cheesing the physics of the game yeah, you know? yeah. like that's yeah it'd be so fun fun fact though uh Avalanche Studios was my first professional game dev interview outside of college. Oh, yeah? yeah oh, that's awesome. Once I graduated. The first ones to give me a chance. Didn't go anywhere, <laughs> but it was to still say, appreciated. Like the first ones to say no. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if it did go through, I'd be in New York. So like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so. So, um, I'll go over quickly throughout I've been playing. Um, beat Golf Story. About 15 hours. Good. Golf Story's good. It's got that indie feel. Yeah. <laughs> by which I mean there's just some things that just kind of hitch or break a little bit and it's not that big of a deal, but you notice it and I'm like, guys, I feel ya. I feel ya. This is probably like a really hard bug to track down, but sometimes it just pulls you out of the experience. Um, because it, it, it tries to do a lot of humor and some of the humor lands and some of it doesn't, but like one of the big kind of running jokes is at the end of every tournament or like competitive match you do, there's like a winner's stand and there are these two infamous like interviewers, like golf news journalists, golf sports journalists that interview all the guys and they purposely don't interview you. Uh, and they interview the other people because the other people are more well-known and you're the rookie, even yeah. though you come in first. Yeah. So they never talk to you. Um, and they... And everyone else just says bullshit. So it's like, <laughs> Max, what'd you think of... Uh, what'd you think of how you played today, even though you lost to this uh, newcomer? And he's like, well, well, Phil, I put a lot of good drives out there. A lot of birdies. Put it really well. Wind was good to me. And that's all I got to say. And they're like, nice talking to you, Max. How about you, sir? What do you have to say? He's like, well, drived a lot today. Pretty good putts. Got a lot of birdies. And it's just the same thing over and over <laughs> and over again. And the, but they like doing these cuts to black. Yeah. They're never timed well. So like, mm. it's like your character saying, oh, I have something to say. And then like slow, a fade to black. That's a little too slow. Mm. Or sometimes I just hammer on the B button, which auto spawns the text. Yeah. But so much of the humor is based off of how the text spawns and it's all timing based. Yeah. That they either needed to have taken that control away from me or at certain moments taken the control away from me. Yeah. So like, hey, this joke is super timing based. We're not going to let you thumb through it because it's right. It's going to it's going to mess up the flow of this dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's a rap battle. At Whoa. one point, what that it and it's there's no vo, so it's all text based. So like you can kind of get the rhymes and the bars, but that's, there's there's a backing track. And that's pretty like, rough, dude. Yeah, like the 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 like written part of it. It's like it's funny to a certain extent, but it's not. It was a rap battle like the best mechanism in which to convey this joke? Yeah, and it's, and it's a rap battle between a really old dude and this young guy. I don't know. There's a lot of charm in this game, but some of it doesn't. There's not a lot of... Some of it fails in the follow-through. Okay. Yeah. But it's still... 
the only golf game that I like. <laughs> so uh, I really like it. Best sports game of the year. Cool. <laughs> I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool to have a golf game with narrative. Like that's neat. Yeah. You know. And I and I've made the comparison before to to uh to Mario Tennis. Yeah. On GBC, because I like all the RPG stuff wrapped around it. And it's mm. just that. And it's fun. Uh, yeah. I uh, what's I been playing? So I beat that. And I was like, well, what am I going to play on the Switch? I have to wait a week till Mario. I was like, fucking, what am I playing on the Switch? Get Stardew Valley. Forget Mario exists. I did buy Stardew Valley, <laughs> but I bought it for Wendy. And, uh, you know, so she now has three machines that run Stardew Valley. This PC, <laughs> her laptop, and now my Switch. There you go. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't touched it yet on Stardew okay. Valley. Um, I should probably dig back into Stardew Valley again. Because I never even finished the first year of Stardew Valley. Um... So Shadow of War, been playing more of that. Um, it's it's opening up more. Uh, before I was like, you know, it's 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 a, it's a power fantasy, but it's like the power fantasy with the with the ramp. So it's like purposely like wants you to feel a little weaker uh, at the beginning. And I'm just like, all my memories of Shadow of Mordor are from the end of Shadow of Mordor, where it's like I'm just fucking spinning two blades around and decapitating orcs like. 12 decapitations a second and just like a <laughs> fury of swords and this is just like ah, uh, it's like a little plotting a little pace and then you start unlocking skills and there's like a whole rpg like leveling mechanic that wasn't in the first game and there's xp and there's a skill tree and there's all this stuff and there's loot yeah and there's colored loot oh there's loot oh there's loot well i, I feel mean, like I, there, there's obviously the orc stuff which is associated with the loot boxes um i don't know if loot boxes have Ugh. loot associated with talion in them i think it's only orcs for your army for the post-game mm. stuff okay i Alert. will I, I i just give like a, a brief opinion i think the weapon equipment loot has ruined a lot of the game for me oh really because mm. suddenly it's not about improving upon your mastery of the combo system which i thought was pretty well done in the first one but now it's like man I sure would like some higher numbers on this sword. But like this the hi- the higher numbers don't really like I mean, I never see a noticeable difference with the numbers. When and I, that's part of the problem. Well, yeah, but like, it should either be like really noticeable or or not at all. Like don't even have it in the game because now you're worrying about something that has so little impact on the game. Why well, argue that so when you start getting rare epic or legendary loot that has modifiers on it and then each item has a quest associated with it? So it's like this sword has a 15% chance to proc for like lighting an enemy on fire. But to do that, you need to kill a captain who uses a fire weapon and then you can unlock it and then you spend the money to uh, do that. Um, So I I like that aspect of it. Like I agree, like the numbers don't really mean much, but it doesn't really detract because you got to get that hit and numbers are high. Just put put it on there and numbers are bigger. Um, is very treadmilly. Yeah, but the first one was too. And this treadmill is going to be a lot longer because apparently post game yeah. content post games apparently a where it's at. Yeah, I like hear it takes just so long to get there. What's interesting is that like I haven't I've either not gotten to the part where that bothers me or it doesn't bother me. What bothers me is this god awful narrative that they've <laughs> used for this game. It's like, it's, and it's not like God awful. It's like, oh, it's just real stupid. Cause I mean, it's, look, it's Lord of the Rings. There's a little, there's, and I'm not saying Lord of the Rings is a bad 
bad series. I'm saying that like there's a little suspension of disbelief that you need to walk in with. Sure. Well, it's fantasy. I mean, right. Yeah. But it's like, why is Shelob a woman? Why is so? So the way it starts out is it you fight at the end of Shadow of Mordor, you fight Sauron. And like, I forget how, how it, I mean, obviously you don't kill him and he doesn't kill you. And I forget what happens, Wait, but do you actually fight Sauron. I thought it was like one of his, it's either Sauron or Nazgul, but I could have sworn it was like a, like a, like a apparition of it's Sauron. One of his hands, the whole, the no, you fight the hands. Like the and then door. after that, there's a part where you fight a motherfucker. that looks like Sauron. I finished shadow of Mordor and I can't remember that bit. I don't remember. You either fight the witch King, a Nazgul, or Sauron. I okay. can't remember. Sorry. It's it's a, it's someone in, in that fucking spiky shiny metal armor. Right. With shadows for features. <laughs> uh, no face, just black. Yeah, it's literally just black. <laughs> but then after you do that, you and Celebrimbor, uh, Talia and Celebrimbor, decide we need to make a new ring. So this game starts with you making a new ring in Mount Doom, and then you put the ring on, and your body gets like sheared from Celebrimbor, the elven wraith that's mm-hmm. attached to you. And then Celebrimbor disappears. Like a bunch of like shadow comes up and wraps around him and then poof, he's gone. Right? And then like you're tell you telepathically are communicating with Shelob and Shelob's like, I have your wraith. And and so you go to Shelob's lair like somewhere in Mordor and she wants the ring in exchange for Celebrimbor. So you give the ring to her. And then Celebrimbor merges back with you while you're dying because basically Celebrimbor is the reason you're still alive. Right. And when you detach from him, that cut on your neck reappears from where the guy in the first game slits your throat. Um, and the only things that prevent that from happening is either you're merged with Celebrimbor or you have the new ring attached to your finger. Right. And then so Shelob then becomes like your kind of enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing where she gives you visions and you see things that are going to happen to like Minas Ethel, which is like the Gondor, one of the Gondor cities that you first go to. And Talion then like for some reason cares about Minas Ethel a bunch. It's just all the like just the plot points and in, in the, in the motivations for these characters make no sense because Talion keeps going back to Shelob for like new quests. And she's like, let me give you a vision. It's like, oh, no, the orcs are going to attack Minas Ethel at dawn, I need to kill this one orc captain to prevent that from happening. And then immediately afterwards, Talion's just like, well, I don't know what to do next, so I'm going to go back to Shelob to get another vision because I care so much about Gondor. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not like, there's no there's no character development, there's no nothing, there's just it's just, just back and forth of like, going to walk to Shelob, Shelob's going to tell me something, going to walk away, going to go do something, all right, back to Shelob. Meanwhile, Caleb Brumbor is like, motherfucker, get the ring back. <laughs> get the fucking ring back. Yeah. And Talion's like, there's more things important than just Gondor. <laughs> I mean, even from the trailers, I could tell this is just going to be like bad Lord of the Rings fan fiction for the most part. Sure. It's just. But I didn't play the first one for the story either. No, I didn't either. But there was a through line. Right. There was like, you have an objective and you are going to move towards that objective and there are going to be little side things that are going to happen. You're going to befriend this dwarf and the dwarf's like really funny and you're going to befriend this other person and they're kind of cool. But this one is just like so it's just 
a quagmire of like, what are we doing and why are we here? And just, and they blew out the scale of it because like you're conquering like fortresses and strongholds and doing all this stuff. And the nemesis system is just gigantic now, but there's no, there's no narrative like, like foundation to hold it up. And I'm not saying like I was there for it, but it was nice to have like at least some sort of justification. Yeah. Right. The first one was like pretty good open world narrative i mean it's really okay so it's always hard to have a good narrative in an open world game because it's very hard to reconcile the agency the player's agency with the agency of the happenings in the world um or sorry player's agency with the urgency of the things happening in the world right right and it feels like in shadow of war that that's just conflicting constantly and that's what you know and they're trying to fix it in weird ways and that's what makes it super muddy and 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 not yeah a very sort of aimless plot line and it's like um, yeah like part of his motivations make sense like okay it makes sense you care about gondor because you're a gondorian and you're human you care about these people and you you know you lost your family and it's just like not a lot of things in shadow of mordor were good what was good was watching talion's family get fucking murdered that was good and feeling really <laughs> shitty about it uh, like, that's true. emotionally that was a good starting point here they start off with nothing and they continue to produce nothing yeah <laughs> and it doesn't like ultimately it doesn't matter it's i'm because i'm just going to fucking murder orcs until the sun goes up yeah but i don't know it's just and you know Gollum shows up fucking Gollum. Gollum's. i don't know why people like people people hate jar jar binks and not Gollum. it's like blows my mind that that's well because Gollum they're the has same an important t- story element yeah, to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> jar jar yeah. binks has no right. reason to be there <laughs> yeah except but they're the same character basically like they're just like a, a goofy character that like is convenient. Jar Jar was a senator. I will not have you disrespect Senator Binks in this house. I'm still attached to the fact that he would have been much better as a Sith. Yeah. I I, I love that theory. He's Snoke. I mean, he's not Snoke. That's the theory I'm going with. He's not Snoke, but it would have been way cooler if if he, if he actually was a Sith. Yeah. I mean, I, whatever, I don't, I don't care about Gollum either which way, but I mean, in, in this, all the story missions are bad. The first <laughs> Gollum mission is just like, come with me. And we just creep through the, the fortress with really shitty stealth because the orcs have like horse blinders on. So you can be like <laughs> literally standing next to them and they won't notice you. And then you're like, all right, right trigger X stealth kill yeah like you can run up on someone and if you run up on them quick enough right trigger x stealth kill no one's alerted like, damn and, and it's fine because it's like that's the power fantasy they're selling but this, this like so the first golem mission you're like creeping through and he's like okay we're gonna find this assassin orc like this orc captain who's assassinating people and you're following footsteps and you gotta stop in the place and then you gotta trace all the footsteps. It's like, oh, here's one of his latest victims. All right, next spot and trace all his footsteps. It's just like, I would be doing this in a way more engaging way and hunting down an orc captain if he just said, here's an orc captain. Go find out his weaknesses, kill him however you want. Have fun. <laughs> but it's just like, come with me, bright master. <laughs> want the ring? I'm just like, fucking Gollum, man. Damn it. Misa Gollum. Is it Andy Circus though? Because I like him. I can't I can't tell. Okay. It kind of sounds like a poor facsimile. 
but it might have just been Andy Serkis coming to the vocal booth like, he, all right, what are we doing? All right. Uh, he's got his own studio at home. Orcuses. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you, where do I get paid? He might have been busy with uh with Black Panther. I'm not sure, but... That trailer. That trailer. That trailer. Dude, for a brief, like, two seconds, we got a look at the Sonic Claw. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's not stupid. It's not. I was very, very surprised. Right. It's like, how do they make this not stupid? Because Claw is kind of dumb. But Claw, Claw is I, dumb. I love Andy Serkis, and I think he's doing it well. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, But yeah. So that's why I've been playing. All right. Uh, we've got about half an hour if we want to hit 430. Sure. Um, let's talk about some topics, gentlemen. Uh, so I don't mind what we, we had Nazi talk. Well, let's just hit it real quick. Cause I mean, okay. it's, it's, it, I mean, yeah, not to downplay it, but it's relatively short. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's just, how great is that? How great is that? <laughs> all the neo-Nazis came out. I was like, Hey, Wolfenstein's very offensive to my like, worldview and the collective <laughs> fuck you from the internet was so glorious and so loud it was great oh man i just love that they doubled down with yeah. that short ad that and 30 even, second even ad like, they got backlash for even like you know shitty centrist people that are like you know freedom of speech right yeah. right they were like why do, why does this game have to get all political it's like it's like because nazis want everyone dead right <laughs> Sorry, you're not <laughs> well, yeah, out like of this the one. entire like platform of Nazism is fucking like one race is better than the other. Right? Yeah, Dude. America has been killing Nazis. We had a we had a we had a war about this. The whole world was there. We won. The- <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was invited. Yeah. Everyone attended. <laughs> you know, I still haven't been paid back for the pizzas I got. Yeah, fin- Finland. Finland paid me back. Yeah. <laughs> France was good. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leaving me with the bill. Jesus Christ. Like, um, what a world we live in where Wolfenstein is political. Well, <laughs> all right. So I want to address that because there was that uh, game industry article where Pete Hines is like, we don't want to take a standpoint. And I'm like, all right, Pete, like, that's a. I think Pete's doing his best to not be, to, to like, to like throw blame off of him. Even though there's clearly a marketing team it, that I, is... I thought that was, like, blisteringly offensive. Yeah. What he said, um, like, the way he phrased it, he said, like, something to the effect of video games aren't here to make statements or video games... The games we make aren't here to make statements. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, all right, like, there's this bad culture war shit going on, which, yeah. all right, you don't want to step into. I get it. But also, like, look at the, you know art criticism and all the issues surrounding games as a medium and uh, also, and, and that's the right. shit you want to stand step in it's right it's and gamergate just- gamergate completely destroyed the fence like there is like so 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 if you look at gamergate as being like largely responsible for the rise in nazism in the u.s like it was a big contributor yeah um games really don't have any room to be like well, we're we're not taking a side. Well, it's just like, it's just are you, you know kidding? upper management business posture. It's just one hundred percent PR move. Yeah, it's yeah. just and you know I bet after GamerGate happened, there was no addressing it in Bethesda. Well, exactly. But by saying that, you're completely you're completely disenfranchising all the GamerGate people. Right, and you're right. culpable. Right, right, right. Like there were plenty of women in games that were, after GamerGate happened, it's like there were no all hands. There was no meeting being like, hey guys, this is really shitty. Don't be a part of this if you're a part of this. 
we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about it. Right. Well, we're gonna have to bring in a counselor. Not just like fuck you, you're fired. Just yeah. like but like there wasn't even that. And you could easily see Bethesda or Zenimax or however you want to frame the the corporate organization being like gamer what? Mm-hmm. Who? Oh yeah. A gate? What's, what's this now? What's a gate? Yeah. Like Baldur's Gate? Anyways, but yeah. Primo ad. Primo ad. 30 second slot. If you're a Nazi, punch said Nazi. Right. Get the fuck out. Make America Nazi free again was the actual wording. And it was, oh, yeah. It was like, wow. Big, great. Big, oh, big yeah. fan. I just like, they, they were literally like, all right, we're putting everything in here. We're going to have Hitler. We're going to have Klansmen. We're gonna have neo Nazis. Oh, and you're gonna you're gonna kill them. In that trailer, <laughs> you shot a Klansman. I was like, yes. I, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm so ready. And, and, the, and the Hitler tease at the end of the most recent the Hitler one was, tease was pretty, was pretty great. good because he's like old sickly Hitler and he has a mechanical arm. I was like, does he have a mechanical arm? I, yeah, it, it looks, looks like, like a metal he, yeah. metal. He metal looks arm. like Darth Vader oh, basically. He's all like he's all like. It's artificially like, kept alive. Yeah, it's like yeah. barely a human now. I thought it was yeah. a good decision. Well, he's barely a human back then, but I thought it was a good decision to keep him out of New Order, just because it's like hard to to do Hitler justice. But I also, guess. like that's the myth. that's a really weird way to put it. But yeah, it like it like creates him as much of a bigger villain than he is by keeping him out of. But it. that's the myth that's been going on forever, ever since Wolfenstein 3D and Mecha Hitler. It's just like. You know, ever since graphics got better than fucking, you know, the Doom engine mm-hmm. is like, is this one gonna have Mega Hitler? Are we gonna see Mega Hitler? Mega Hitler in this one? Yeah, and that's what they want. Like, and so you know, making that a myth, mythical figure and like building that up. Like, I bet you I won't even fight Hitler in this one. I yeah, you you might not, but there is a part of me that is thinking like they're building up his sickness. And part of that means, like, maybe he's going to have to be, like, transferred to a robot body or something. All right. We're, we might have to get Mecha Hitler. We might, might, have, to, <laughs> I might think, have to get Mecha in this Hitler. I right. think for someone to put Hitler in a game, though, they really need... That game needs to be, like, barely under adult only, like, really showing how fucking horrible Hitler is. Like... Like you can't just have him be kind of like this big bad Darth Vader <laughs> you, character, yeah, it's, and it be okay. Like, like he's got to be horrible. Scene. It's yeah. hard to vilify him without going super hardcore like, into snidely how, whiplash, right? right. And, and that's uh, that's part of why I thought it was a good decision to leave him out. Yeah, of same. Water. I mean, yeah. at some point, at some point, someone's buying the game because Hitler's in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Who like even if it's game got Hitler in it, I'm so excited. Right. Wait a second. <laughs> Why is they? Why are they shooting people who look like my uncle? Jeez, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> the entire Alabama market <laughs> is just <laughs> ro- <laughs> rolling on the ground. Are there any Confederate flags foaming at the mouth? I bet there oh, are. I God. haven't. I don't. I haven't. So there are KKK looking. people. Yeah, there are KKK people that you shoot. Uh, I bet there's got to be some Confederate flags in there somewhere. <laughs> what a world! What a what a world. <laughs> there was the interview with like the creative director, I think, where he was just saying this is weird, you know? We didn't make the new Wolfenstein game expecting it to become a current event. <laughs> you think that you think Ubisoft's going to say that too when Far Cry 5 comes out? You know, we weren't really expecting um this to be such a flashpoint. Oh, dude, they they dude, they, they totally were. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. They they yeah. were in the middle of it. But what if? But what if? But what if? 
Speaking <sighs> quick, just quick aside. Sure. Speaking of uh, Confederacy, uh, I watched Wild Wild West for some stupid reason the other day. I just had Netflix open. I was like, oh, they put Wild Wild West in here. <laughs> sure, why the fuck not? Let's see, like, the epitome of of 90s B-film. It's a bad movie. Yeah. I wouldn't No know. amount of Will Smith or Kevin Klein will f- save that movie. Oh, it's that one. Yeah. Doesn't it have, like, the giant steampunk spider at one point? That's right. Yep. I remember that. Yep. That's on Netflix, huh? Mm-hmm. I'll have to watch that. I was like, all right, we're going to watch Patton Oswalt's new stand-up, or we're going to watch this. This is Wild Wild West. I took Moman's recommendation. I started Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, oh, dude, it's so good. <laughs> Which is pretty great. It's so good. Everyone yeah. is freaking out about Halt and Catch Fire since it ended. Yeah. And I need to watch it. I have, I'm, I've got one season left, so I have to do the season Moman just finished, but whew, is everything all, up to that point is really good. Is it all on streaming? Or yeah, is it's it just, all on all three seasons? There's four. So we have to wait a year I for it to get on. I think three are on Netflix is what yeah. I saw. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there are three on Netflix, but it's not all of them. There's other four or five. I can't remember. I told Will... Because I tried watching it a while back, and I was like, "Yeah, the first scene is this guy like being a dick and running over an armadillo, and I just can't do that right now. Like, I'm just like not in the right headspace for this month." Much I will say, the first 20 minutes are super cliche and almost threw me off. Really, and then the rest of it went okay. So it's like inverse Mr. Robot, because like the first scene of Mr. Robot is really good, and then the rest of that show is trash. <laughs> yep, it <laughs> is inverse Mr. Robot. It gets yeah. um. I don't know. This it's just got like they do a really good job of capturing the time period. Yeah, that's why I'm excited um, about. I think it's I think it's a better period piece than uh, than Stranger Things. Stranger Things is a great period piece. Halt and Catch Fire is like there's just like way more nuance about it. It's like you know, yes, you can layer a Moog synth on top of everything and have it feel very 80s, but, right? But Halt and Catch Fire is like it's just so in tune with its time period. It's like early 70s, right? Like actual birth of personal computing uh, late 70s early 80s yeah oh, okay yeah um so it like, goes like up from so like they have major events in computing like the first season ends with like the with um the apple 2 okay um so it's like apple 2 to like macintosh or maybe it's era. the lisa yeah i mean yeah so like uh the, i think the third season Only like three episodes this isn't a spoiler the by the way because okay. you know it's total we're just time framing it all right yeah it's sweet. just it's just the time frame but i think the third so the third season ends or fourth season begins with the um the next and so like wow it, yeah okay. it goes like a it, it, it yeah. starts jumping a little bit right yeah because yeah. that's early 90s yeah that's cool yeah it's really neat I'm excited, but and it's cool because it's about it's about these smaller companies, right? That are that are like sort of sort of these smaller. It's not about like the big players, yeah. But it's what's interesting is that it's about what they're dealing with. It's shaped by all these like big shifts in technology at right. the time, like, like the IBM PCs yeah. coming out and shit like that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. what the whole first season about is the IBM PC, basically. Oh, I'm now really excited about the show. Yeah. Dude, it's so real. It's so good. Yeah, it's pretty great. I love that every channel wants to be a prestige television channel now. Yeah, <laughs> it, like even if it doesn't work for all of them, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. I think good it's good really direction. Good. Yeah, good to aspire to for sure. Um, all right. So going off of Nazis, uh, let me see if I can just find some small stuff before we hit that that kind of big thing. Okay. Um, which if we need to push a little past four thirty to discuss bigger stuff, it's like totally. It, it'll probably only run like. 10 15 minutes i think that's usually like bigger stuff usually yeah, goes yeah, that sure. far so i don't um just we'll, we'll we'll figure out when we get there uh two kind of small things uh harmonics laid off 14 people 
to that, reduce overhead. And that ties in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, maybe I should have done these things in reverse. But obviously it's shitty. Like Harmonix hasn't actually, you know, it hasn't been in a good spot for a while since Rock yeah. Band 4 didn't like the world. I played Rock Band five. VR at practice. Was it good? Uh, no. Okay. That was the probably the worst game demo I've ever seen. Um, it's funny because we've <laughs> also not heard much about Guitar Hero Live since that went out. Like I heard it was well received. But Did like, you? That's what I heard. Okay. Like as well as like a, a it's the one with like live action footage, right? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. so weird to me. Yeah, but I mean, I heard like the product was good. Okay. Like this, this reimagining when compared. Well, did to, it actually come out? Yeah. Came out like around the same time. Rock Band Three, no Rock idea. Band Four did. Okay. Uh, and when compared to Rock Band Four, it's like Rock Band Four is like, oh, this is just Rock Band again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with a bunch of stuff stripped out, new songs. Um, and then Guitar Hero was like Guitar Hero Live. You were essentially buying a new set list with everyone, and that was like right on the verge of of every game going like DLC centric. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's part of what killed it off. Well, yeah. What's cool about Guitar Hero is that it was it was rental based, so it's like you could. You could rent a, a two-hour stretch and do all these songs that you'd want to do, um, and then not pay for it outside of that. Or there was like a radio station aspect that was, I think, free. Huh. And so you would just tune to whatever genre you wanted, and you would play the song that was playing at the time. I don't know. Their their business model was interesting. Okay. And I think it lent itself well to the product they had. Uh, mm-hmm. BT Dubs. If anyone you know has a PS2 Guitar Hero controller, I'm in the market. Yeah, mm. I, I hear. I've, that's the second time recently I've heard about instrument hunting. It's hard to find one. It's it's it's, it's a thing. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Um, my brother bought the huge Beatles Rock Band pack that came with the fucking Rickenbacker <laughs> and all the all nice. the instruments and the drums. <laughs> that's crazy. Um. Yeah, I played. I played. I can understand them laying some people off. I I don't think Rock Band VR is really going anywhere. Well, there's also Drop Mix, which is like the card based game. I was going right. to mention that one. Yeah. yeah, I think that some of the people might be from that team. Um, Michael Footer has been freaking out about Drop Mix and like hunting for booster packs, like since we talked, since he's been on the podcast. Penny Arcade really likes it too. Yes, they, they do. They've done some comics on it. <laughs> that one though, <laughs> they're just like, wait, 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 stop. The, the, the song beat, is so good. The beat is perfect. <laughs> Don't edit it anymore. And he's like, we're in a game. I need to win. You know, I just ruined it. It's like a card game where you put like NFC cards, I think, down on a table. And like, depending on the cards you play, it like changes up the songs. So you're creating a tune together. But That's there's also cool. like a point system involved. That's really so, neat. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, Harmonix did confirm that Rock Band and Drop Mix remain in in full development, in quote. Okay. Um, and that the company intends to reveal more information about its unannounced projects in the coming months. We probably don't have time now, but sometime on the show, you should ask me to talk about uh, seeing Rock Band VR when I was in New York. Okay. Okay. I'm and, curious. And how that demo went. Yeah. This is a pretty good story. I I just feel like it's they they put themselves in a box being like we make music games yeah and, yeah and it's like i wanted dude I, I wish they had made like a like a combat game like i would have played the shit out of like like a fighter or a shooter that is like rhythm based they made like a semi-rhythm based smartphone game that was like a bullet hell huh 
yeah. that I forget what it was called. Like, oh, I think I know what you're talking bad. about. Like, like not gameplay wise, it looked bad, but like the art style looked bad. Yeah, I remember that. I think that was like soon after Amplitude came. Their new Amplitude, their new their kickstarted version of Amplitude came out. Right. Yeah, I just you know you got feel for them because I mean like you know Rock Band was like a, a cultural touch point for games and just you know after that fad which unfortunately it kind of was a fad kind of left and you're just like well what we do we were the rock band people it's not like we're not owned by anyone we're not like a never soft and activision is just like okay now you're the tony hawk people okay now you're the rock band people okay now you're just closed (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know what to do um other small news you can motherfucking video capture in your motherfucking Switch. Good times. It's limited to only Nintendo games. So far. They so said far. they're adding more. Right. But it's that's still a good step. And honestly, it was something I was thinking like, man, it'd be cool if you could hold this and record video. And then they fucking, they did it. They <laughs> are, we, are we on the verge of, of, of new Nintendo? I think we are in the new Nintendo. This is, and, and, and like Nintendo is already... What saying recently that they want more hardcore adult games on the Switch? So, yeah, yeah, like Doom and Wolfenstein, and yeah, (laughs) yeah. We already got we already got Thumper and Doom. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And I still haven't played Thumper yet, so maybe I'll buy Thumper on the Switch. Dude, Thumper's oh man, Thumper's so good. good Thumper's a trip. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard good things about Thumper. Uh, okay. And then last but not least, um. Another closing. EA closed Visceral, and then which which was working on the new Star Wars game. Uh Announced Star Wars project. Amy Henning was heading it. Amy Amy Henning was heading it. Amy Henning was (laughs) is the lead of that project. Um, She was a creative director on the Uncharted series. Um, They have closed down Visceral, and they moved all those people to another team, or most of them, I guess. And they are like reassessing uh, what to do with that project. Yeah. And so a couple of things about that. And and uh, Peter Sodolin, who's the guy that like made the, the press announcement about it, he said something to the effect of like they, because of the changing economics and, and business structures in games right now, it just kind of wasn't viable because it was going to be basically Star Wars Uncharted from all yeah. intents and purposes from what people said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the early gameplay videos looked very good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the one, the one I see is that clip of the guy like walking out of the cantina and like beautiful, like Moss Eisley looking thing. And then a bunch of TIE fighters streaking overhead. Oh yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It looked, it looked very promising. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, and I mean, it's been development for what, two and a half years, three years. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not early in the development cycle. Right. Like, I mean, that footage alone, like, looked pretty, like, far along in the pipeline. Oh, yeah. Even if that was just, like, a vertical slice or whatever. So, a lot of a lot of people were talking about it in kind of, like, the context of, is this the death of single player? Because you have this huge game headed by someone who has worked on very a lot of very successful single player games in a single series. It also has the fucking Star Wars license tied to it. Mm-hmm. And EA just said, like, yeah, this ain't gonna make its money back. Which you know, and maybe they and maybe they wanted to pull the plug way earlier, but it's like sunk cost fallacy. It's just we need to we need to hold out and see what it does. But 
you know, with all of the different monetization strategies happening, you know, with the loot boxes, with, you know, microtransactions in general, with uh, games as a service, with the destinies of the world, with the Grand Theft Auto Online features of the world. Yeah. I think they saw this big single-player game that lasts 8 to 20 hours and were like... Yeah, I mean... Um, <sighs> games cost more than $60 a copy to make. Right. Right. Um, Exactly. You know, it's really, I was talking to someone on, I was having discussion on Reddit about this. um, And, uh, you know, it's really interesting because you've got a, like, like, so gamers are very consumerist, you know, in general. Um, And EA, I I don't think EA is losing money. Right. But, uh, you know, they're certainly making year over year profit. Um, with their games, if you go look on like Y charts or something, um, you look at their 10K or whatever. Yeah, um, and uh, they're. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, we have gamers that are really putting them on blast, rightfully so, for these like sort of sort of evil monetization schemes. You know, loot boxes, uh, DLC, addition tiers, you know, what have you, um, but are still demanding a. Fast, polished, beautiful piece of software uh, with a lot of content in it um, and no bugs uh, for no more than the price of $60 a copy. And it's like, uh, so I think the last time games had a major price hike was $60. Yeah, it was like $42.60. Uh, in 2005 for the 360. Yeah. Um, that's going to be like $75 in 2017 dollars. Uh, not to mention the fact that even though we do have a lot more people playing games, less people buy individual games now. There's a lot. So if you go look at like Steam Spy, um, and this this obviously touches on the whole like saturated indie market thing. But if you go look at Steam Spy, there are less average copies owned per game every year, right? So less people buy buy more games are sold sold overall, but less people buy individual games they're buying on humble or they're buying like some collection or yeah yeah. or or they're just buying a different game because there's because it's so saturated even in triple a right um so it's really hard to uh you know ea is not running on like super fat profit margins to begin with so it's super hard for them to justify not using something that provably works even though it's evil like loot boxes so that they can keep making games when people would not pay more than sixty dollars for for a single player game, and I just I think gamers should be paying more. I would pay eighty dollars for a yeah. I would, I would pay a hundred dollars for like a solid single player game that's like perfect. Superman sixty four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it needs I mean, to be a good game, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just I think it's ridiculous that oh no, don't put any of that stuff in my video game. But also, I'm not paying more than sixty dollars. Right. Well, it's, it's obviously like you know we talk about it a lot. And, and we're aware of it a lot is that people don't understand what goes into a game it's very hard to to communicate that to this day it's hard to communicate right. a software developer's budget because like what do you do you sit at a keyboard and you type all day I can type I can press buttons yeah. right. and I'm, I mean I mean, that's a super simplistic way of, of looking at it but it's you know people don't understand the time that goes into making games they don't understand the money that goes into making games because of the time because people need to be paid because they need health insurance and they and they have families and they have to pay rent. Right. Yeah. And 
I had a shower thought the other day that was just like graphics technology is also improving at such a rapid rate that our tools aren't really that you know that takes more time and more effort and more money now yeah. than it ever has yeah like to the, produce like photorealistic models and, oh yeah and, yeah, and, yeah like and, like um all the frostbite engine games have to have like real photogrammetry for every single material and all this like crazy shit so you yeah. you know have these you know your technical artist team went from like what oh a guy right <laughs> <And> to, like, <laughs> to a full team of of 20 or 30 right yeah, and, and it's and right. that's not even including like all the concept artists who now are like you know creating you need, you need way, more and way more you need and gameplay way more. programmers you need yeah. ui artists you need ux people you need all this stuff network programmers server costs community yeah. managers yeah. you know <laughs> PR people PR. This is not a sustainable. This is not a sustainable model. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. not gonna. It's not gonna continue along happily at sixty dollars per copy. Well, and adding One to that, one would argue it hasn't been. Right. Well, I yeah. mean, but but people always always. If you ever have this discussion with any like non-game developer, they will always have the point. Some point like, oh well, The Witcher Three was great, and so and so because The Witcher Three was great, you know that means that all you have to do is make a good game. And then it will sell. And it's like they're totally ignoring that Witcher 3 was made in what, Poland, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not US salaries. Right. That's not North American salaries at all. Like, I mean, I couldn't tell you what like the cost of living is in Poland. No, but it's going to be less than San Francisco for and, sure. Oh, yeah. But I'm right. saying that like, but because of people's ignorance, they make assumptions on it. Right. They make and, assumptions on it. They don't, they ignore the fact that it was a 3.5 year development cycle. They ignore the fact that it didn't make any profit its first year. And they also ignore the fact that CD Projekt owns GOG, so they were able to keep Red afloat. Well, The Witcher 3 still had to make profit, which it ignore, luckily finally did. Also ignore the fact that it was the third game in a franchise. Right. That, so people had brand awareness. Right. They had technical expertise with the, the material mm-hmm. and the gameplay and all this other stuff. Yeah. The Witcher 3 was not a fluke. It's just what happens when um, you're, you have the funding to make a good game for a long time. Uh, and you can afford a long development cycle and actually actually make a really good game. But people want like a new Assassin's Creed every fucking year, right? You know. Yeah. But also, like you know, the from you know, and every AAA studio suffers from this. Like the working conditions probably weren't great there. I mean, they were probably fine, but you know, there's probably still people that were crunching. There are probably still people that were oh, absolutely that you know decided not to see their friends or their family and work on a game. There, you know, there's. I, I said this like a, a couple weeks ago where it's like, do I want to shave off someone's life expectancy just so I can have a great AAA ga- game remember, for $60? I remember right. the talk at, at SCAD that basically convinced me I never wanted to do AAA in my life. And I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember... I the, talked to Avalanche anyways. <laughs> Sorry. Don't give <laughs> yeah. uh, me shit about that. <laughs> um, and, well, you know, desperate for anything at that point. But I don't remember the whole talk, but I do remember, uh, you know, the phrase, you will be huddled against your computer at night for warmth, you know, sleeping in your office. And it was just like... <laughs> and I don't want that in fucking like anywhere yeah like yeah. being like you know kind of tangentially but when like people are like oh you should go work for google or you should go work for apple i'm like fuck no no or like <laughs> oh man richmond's in the bid for amazon hq2 isn't that great i don't think anyone realizes no. how bad that's gonna be that would be horrible yeah because price you know the housing prices are gonna skyrocket i saw that article you posted i read that whole thing and, and like a lot of people in my office are really excited about that possibility i had to share that and be like guys it's really not a good idea well it's because like well talking <laughs> about that aspect is like yeah. programmers and and business people that that will see, have some great jobs well the, the, well, the, well, well also like they see the 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 siren call of silicon valley too yeah. yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. and you know, I had entrepreneurship classmates. They were always just like, 
oh, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. It's like you guys need to look at the, like the underbelly of Silicon Valley and like understand like all that comes with that with like housing prices and like you know gender and racial discrimination in the in the hiring process and like you know it's not the land it's not just the land of milk and honey out there like you need to right look beyond your just your immediate yeah environment like uh, menlo park used to have like a culture and it just doesn't anymore it has a facebook yeah it's just like facebook and well and, and was apple at one point but yeah i mean it's there there used to be uh you know, a, a a bunch of a bunch of culture and um, non gentrified people and stuff right. that that yeah. lived around Silicon Valley, and now it's just yeah, you know, mostly white, boring, mostly corporate. male, right? Yeah, right. And so, but also, okay, where were we? <laughs> CD Project Red, <laughs> CD Project Red, Red. But I mean, but our original point was the the visceral stuff. Um, people not understanding what goes into this. And I'm sure like a lot of people are upset because they've seen that same tech demo footage that I saw. It's like, that's a real shame because I would play, you know what this is? You know what this is? What? Star Wars 1313-2. Yeah. That's yeah. what this that's is. That's exactly what I was thinking. I like, just what's that one about that. the underground that got totally canned and looked great? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, did you, you, I mean, speaking of Penny Arcade, you saw his comic about this too, right? Yeah. Well, he was like just shouting really at Sutherland. Saving, like seething, like I loved the phrase, you know, like that word salad that you tried to use to cover your tracks, you know, fuck you, man. Oh, yeah. dude, the PR, the PR <laughs> release for, for, uh, canceling Visceral was just like hilarious. It was like, it was like, and now an announcement about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And also we are closing Visceral and firing all of these people. <laughs> Well, like, that's that's like literally the tone like they were just oh, like talking way, about a t- bunch of star wars bullshit that was kind of fluff that everyone knew bb8 yeah. huh yeah. also way, you're fired yeah yeah oh and by the way we totally do care about creativity and and teams we're very passionate about our projects and we love our crew and and also they're all gone we're sorry about visceral was so fucking yeah. shafted in its lifespan yeah from from dead space one to dead space two to dead space three all you know relatively pretty great titles especially the first but do you remember all the monetization shit that was in dead space 3 because one and two didn't sell enough right yeah and it's like you know fucking stop all right so 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 the thing i wanted to approach was that like you know obviously i'm someone that cares a lot about narrative you know you just heard me bitch about shadow wars narrative yeah like and i haven't played all of the uncharted series i've um but I know four is a is, is a kind of like kind of standard bearer for like in Last of Us two, but it's like we can't. I don't want to lose these story driven games because I feel like that's what helps push the medium forward in the direction that I like. Not saying that's better than other ones, but this is my preferred way. And if those all go away, well, you're just not going to see AAA. All AAA games are going to be games as a service. They're all just going to be Destiny games, which is what they're going to try to adapt the Star Wars game into. They're going to try to salvage as many assets as they can from this game and turn it into a Destiny, which people are saying, why are you doing this when you have Anthem right there? You're going to have Anthem compete with whatever this project's going to turn into? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Except this project will beat the shit out of Anthem because, because of Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just... And then what? We had the same deal with them releasing Titanfall the same week as like a new Call of Duty. They keep doing this to themselves. 
Well, that and then wondering that, why their old their their subsidiaries are failing. That sounds like some stupid chess beating where it's like we got to beat Call of Duty. Well, we no, gotta, it's all EA. No, I'm saying that like EA is doing that because we got to put it up against the other premier first person competitive first person shooter console based first person shooter, which is dumb. Like but I agree with you. It's its own you. company. Like it's just fighting itself. It's it's infighting, right? At that point. Wait, did you say Battlefield or or Call of Duty? Call of like. I think it no, it was Putting, it was battle it was Battlefield and Titanfall. Right. Okay. Like all got like got released in the same week and essentially were vying for the top of the chain when one of them had way more brand recognition and this is Titanfall one we're talking about, I think. Okay. Yeah. And it just it was so well poorly timed and poorly managed. But also that maybe they made the assumption that those were two different kind of genres or two different styles of play and they just I don't know. I just think <laughs> a poor but, assumption to make but like look at Titanfall regards. 1 Titanfall 1 had no single player had no campaign it was all multiplayer yeah. like the single player games are not becoming viable because of the cost to make them and like the the projected net return and they saw as much because if you buy if whatever this was if this was like an Uncharted or something and even Uncharted has multiplayer in it like there's been multiplayer in Uncharted since 2 but like you can't just make a, a story-driven single-player experience that only lasts you 8 to 12 hours for $60 because less people are going to buy it or the same amount of people are going to buy it and you're still not going to meet your costs of development. Japanese developers are doing it. But... Why can't Americans? But, like... Well, I'm just saying, like, no, Nier Automata sold great. Persona 5 sold great. Like, um... I thought you were talking about just, like, poor working conditions in general. <laughs> oh! No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe... Japanese developers work harder or something, but like, you know, or have to, I don't work know. to death. Yeah. But like, but, but I mean, like, so people will buy, it's not like people aren't interested in single player games. People clearly are. I just think that maybe we haven't had that many good Western single player games recently. I, think, I mean, I would, well, and maybe that shook people's trust in from a business and marketing standpoint. The problem with single player games is once you're done with them, you're done. And at that point they get returned or, sold which is less less net profit in the longer run which right. is why ea started doing that shitty thing with like mass effect 3 where it's like you have to have this code in it and the code helps the single player if you don't have the code then like your whatever the the resources you're amassing over the course of the game you're gonna get less of them and because you're gonna get less of them you're not gonna get the true ending yeah not gonna get that synthesization good lord uh which is also a shitty like why is ea always the banner bearer of the shitty monetization strategies it seems like they just they got a monopoly on it man they they know what they're doing more than anyone <laughs> i mean i do think i do think they are greedy but i also think that it's really hard to tell ea to make a single player like to make a single player game when that will likely not do well right yeah like that and it's like, hard to tell anyone to do that right it's just shameful that like You've seen bad single-player games from EA, bad stories in single-player games from EA come out, and you see this one good one. It's like, oh, man, I would love to see a well-written Star Wars video game. And then it's always out of grasp. Star Wars 1313 didn't come out. Star Wars Uncharted, not coming out. Yeah. It's just a shame. Felix Kramer on Twitter said, like, I guess we're just going to have to find our our narrative-driven games from, from indies from now on. Which, hey... Totally fine by me. All my narrative-driven games are just going to be fucking full bright. <laughs> fine. 
Yeah, I mean, they do it better. And and machine games. And machine games. Yeah. 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 Their their stories are wonderful. Right. And people were saying like a lot of single player games, and like you were saying, Sam, a lot of them were Western based. Haven't been doing well this year. Uh I'm trying to think of examples. I haven't heard any numbers for Shadow of War, but like but but other other games that came out this year. But like, you know, we're still getting new ones. We're gonna get a Wolfenstein. We're gonna get all these other games. You know, Doom ostensibly is a single player game. It's got a multiplayer, but I haven't but, really played it. But who's playing Snap Maps? Yeah, yeah. And and I will also point out the new Doom was very heavily leaned on a cliffhanger. So Yeah. I think it did. Probably gonna probably gonna find some way out of this pit, but yeah. not anytime soon and not cleanly. Maybe it's you know, more stratification with the pricing. Yeah. If it is just making games eighty dollars now, then that's what it has to be. Australians are doing it. Like I mm-hmm. understand why that's why everyone's so against that. Like do you just make it just because there's a standard and it's been around for so long that it's what everyone's used to. Right. Change sucks. What I was like the, what my was, comfortable. What were they forty? Sorry, were they forty before two thousand? I think they were forty, and then like obviously the farther back you go, like when you get the N sixty four era, they just fucking they were all over the place. Yeah, right. Because like obviously they're based around the price of the components. Like Superman sixty four was literally a hundred dollars new. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. I didn't even know that. Right. Like, that's ridiculous. In like nineteen ninety eight dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, because in order to address that, we need to address this quality versus price thing. Yeah. That we have never truly like figured out, where it's like, what 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 is what value? What is a game worth? Right. And I mean, I think I think that if AAA developers had more flexibility to work with, like it wasn't expected that every game should be $60 and somewhere 45 and somewhere 55 and so, you know, like like if you go look on Steam, it's all over the place. Like, you know, you have really expensive indie titles like The Witness and then you have cheap indie titles that are $5 or $1 even. Some that are in you know, obviously in between. A Witness was $40, but in between that that range. Like, why must every AAA game be $60? Is that just because that's the cheapest we can make the game for so that, like, it's... Games are competing in other ways other than price? Like, is that the only way? Maybe. Uh, or, or, or the like, only reason? Or like you are saying, it's it's been such a standard for so long that, like, we more nested in the, the game space understand that you know, there's 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 a wider range of prices, but those that only just go to GameStop and be like, I want the new game, all they see is sixty dollars. They see like anything less as oh, a discount or a sale, or right, that must be a cheaper game, and or, or a lower quality worse. game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or anything higher priced as oh, this must be the silver edition, this must be the extended version, this must be the gold edition, this must be the game of the year version. Right. There's definitely a mentality behind it that's driving the whole thing. So I think they're not. Like you were saying, the consumerism that's just rampant everywhere. Right. Right. On Reddit, that's just it's all they can think of. The unfair expectations. From the buyer's end standpoint, right. what's unfair and what's not. And it's a buyer's market. Like Absolutely. Like because if, you know, this game is seventy dollars and the game right next to it's sixty, well it's like, well, ten dollars cheaper, but maybe it's ten dollars more fun. Like who knows? Like right. they're 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 you know, and the in the shittiest like like lowest common denominator way to look at it someone's someone could walk in to a GameStop, look at two games and judge them only by their box art and that's why the box art for our bioshock infinite has fucking booker 
clutching a shotgun on the front of it because that was a marketing decision because they said straight white male protagonists put on the box art sell the game right right so i don't know i don't know how you solve this problem but it's a problem and closing down visceral isn't really solving the problem no not at all hey yeah goodbye star wars 1414 <laughs> we barely knew you <laughs> all right uh, with that we'll close it down sam i want to thank you for coming on absolutely where can people find you at sam lotion how do you spell lotion it's uh s-a-m-l-o-e-s-c-h-e-n it's my twitter handle did you get all that alex uh no but i already follow him so i don't need to see you're ahead of the curve <laughs> alex thank you for coming on <laughs> thank you where thank can you. people find you uh, they can find me at uh, G-H-O-D-A-N and there's an underscore in there somewhere. It's either at the front of the... At the do end. I type all that? G-H-O-D-A-N and then there's an underscore somewhere and then Yeah. In between? <laughs> Underscores at the, at the back. Okay, yeah. G-H-O-D-A-N underscore. Cool. At Twitter. On f- the Twitters. And you can find... You, Alex, can find all these podcasts at word-games.com Specifically me, no one else. Just you. Okay. I got you this password. It's it's really safe. The Magfest people made it for me. <laughs> uh, but you can find all of our podcasts at word-games.com forward slash podcasts or on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere else you download this RSS feed. Just look for Wordcast or at Word Video Games on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks.